Hey everybody, what's going on? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Pow Pow Media. Pow Pow Media is the premier video and production video marketing resource in the DFW area. They're going to create you some original video content for TV, film, internet distribution, whatever you need. If you're a small business, you need to check these guys out because the e-commerce videos that they make are extremely valuable and second to none in the area. They've been in business since 2000. They've created over 12,000 multimedia projects. They can do drone footage, uh, any kind of promo for an event or any kind of small business or a band, anything like that. I had one made. It's extremely professionally done. They have a really quick turnaround. It looks phenomenal. I love it, and I'll be using them again for sure. So check them out at powpowmedia.com and tell them I sent you. Let's go ahead and get started. We are live. Welcome to this episode of the Slightly Chewed Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Watson, and with me on this episode, my esteemed local music uh, colleague, Mr. Rodney Parker. How's it going, man? Good. Esteemed. Esteemed. <laughs> I don't I f- know about esteemed. I feel like that you're esteemed. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. I'll definitely take it. How's it going, man? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. I played some golf this morning. Yeah, how'd you shoot? I shot okay. I shot a 76, and uh, it wasn't my best effort. But it was do our good. listeners know like your golf obsession? I think that they do. You talk I've, about it before. I've talked about it before. I don't. I try not to talk about it at length because it's cool though. I mean, that's one of those things that I didn't know about you for a long time. Yeah, you know. I think Hillary was like, "Oh, you didn't know he's like this insane golf guy." And I was like, "No, I had no idea." Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've tried uh, at times to make a living, and I'm I'm in one of those swings right now where yeah. I'm practicing almost every day and. I've got some tournaments, some national qualifiers lined up and for the summer. So. That's cool. Where's your first one? Uh, the first one is going to be actually for the Byron Nelson, the one that's in uh, Las Colinas. Wow. That's in uh, May. So how does it, is like a qualifier and then, or is that, I don't know how it works at all. Well, for guys like me, I've never had a, a tour card or anything, mm-hmm. obviously. So for guys like me, there's a, a pre-qualifier. If you don't meet the prerequisites, like if you've never had a card and you you never competed in one of their tournaments, mm-hmm. uh, then you have to do a pre-qualifier. But since it's an open, anybody can do the pre-qualifier, which is why they uh, do that. Okay. So if you've had a card in the past and you don't currently have a card or you've qualified for PGA tournaments in the past and, uh, or all of that, you skip the pre-qualifier and go straight to the qualifier because they know you're not going to shoot 100 right but for, I see. for everybody else which is literally anybody else like if, if you have the money for the entry fee that's 250 bucks and, and you can go get so a spot. i could go do it you can get a spot <laughs> oh, yeah anybody can do it but that's why they do that right they weed you out you know the the good ones that that aren't you know that have never made it to that level before but potentially could right uh you know it's two weeks the pre-qualifier is two weeks before the tournament and then the actual qualifier is the week before the week before on the, the same course uh, on the same course not on the course that the tournament's on, oh. but the two qualifiers are on the same course. And then if you make the qualifier, because the 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 if you have a card, uh, then you can enter without the qualifier. So there's X amount of spots for all the oh. actual professionals uh, that want to play it. Uh, you don't have to if you're obviously they pick and choose their own schedule. But if you're going to play the two DFW tournaments, the Colonial and the Nelson. As a pro, you just go, okay, yeah, I want to play this tournament. So however many spots are left over for the field, that's what they give to the Opens. I see. Uh, it's usually around uh, between 10 and 20, something like that. Yeah. And there's qualifiers all over the country. It's not just local. 
Oh, I see. Because it's a PGA tournament. Right. It's a national PGA tournament. So, like, what? You'd have to, like, place... You'd have. I would probably have to get in the top two or three. Okay. In the local qualifier, to make it into yeah. the tournament, I've never done it before. I've made it through to the actual qualifier a couple of times, but I've never made the tournament. Which is there's unbelievably talented golfers sure. in the area, and you know I I do music for a living, and those guys play golf for a living, so right. it's a lot harder to get into. Oh, the I'm tournament. sure it is. I'm sure it is. I've talked to you about it since I found out about this. You know, like. But one of those things that I remember you saying is like some, if you catch yourself like on one of those little, yeah, where you're just, everything's clicking for yeah. a few weeks or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know. It's not, you know, it's not outside of someone's realm. Like me, if I, if I'm on a hot streak, if I've catch lightning in a bottle for a month, mm-hmm. say the month of May specifically, um, I could do well in the qualifier, the pre-qualifier, do well in the qualifier and place top 10 in the tournament all within three weeks. Yeah. That's just three weeks of playing really good golf. And if I, if you do that, which is not impossible to do, I've shot scores necessary like that before, not with any consistency, but I have. I know I can. But if I get a top 10 in a PGA tournament, I get a lot of exemptions into other open tournaments. Right, that's like immediately. life-changing, right? Immediately. Yeah. Sponsorships come flooding in because who's this guy mm-hmm. that's killing it on this tournament? You know, it's all provisional. Sure. <clears throat> Excuse me, because they don't know, you know, that you just did it once. You know, they yeah. don't know if they're going to give you a bunch of money. But, you know, and as an amateur, even if I win the tournament, you don't get any money. Oh, I didn't know that. You have to have a card to get the money. Oh, wow. But if you win the tournament, you get a provisional card for the next year. So the next tournament, you could go make top 10 and, and make a bunch of money. But as an amateur, you don't, you don't get as it. a registered amateur, you don't get any money. But all the sponsorships would come in. It's an interesting situation. It is. Because like we were talking, I remember having this conversation with you. If like if you catch that lightning in a bottle for six months, for example, if I were to, it's not going to happen for anyone listening. I'm not going to win the Nelson. But if I, if I did, for example, mm-hmm. I would get X amount of exemptions in the PGA tournaments over the next, the rest of this season, which ends in November, December. And all of a sudden, that's what I'm doing for a living. Right. You know what I mean? It's a it's a paradigm shift that happens immediately. It's not one of those things like baseball where you have to go through AAA and just like get drafted yeah. and hope that you get to play and then play well and that they want to give you another contract. It's none, none of that. You can you live and die by the sword week to week, tournament to tournament. Because if you don't, if you have a PGA card and you don't either win X amount of tournaments or make X amount of money in a year. They put you on the like this list for the next year. Like if if you don't do it again, you lose You're your out. card, oh. and you have to like work your way back in. What a tough thing, man! It's incredible, <laughs> and they only give out X amount of cards a year. You know, a lot of most of the most of them are recurring. Over a mm-hmm. hundred of them are recurring, but for the other seventy five or so, you know, you have they have to earn it. Jeez. And there's new guys on the tour every year, and there's guys that were on the tour that aren't on the tour every year. There are guys that bounce back and forth between the web.com and the PGA because they can't keep their card, but they have a good year, so they get another one for the next year. And if they don't keep it, they go back to the web.com. It's incredible. It seems pretty rough, man. It is. It's rough, and it's it's another. It's one of those things like I, I equate it to music very loosely, mm-hmm. but I equate it to music in the way that – 30 years ago, let's say, in the 80s, 40 years ago in the 70s, 
uh, which is almost 50 years ago. Think no, about we're getting that. old. It's 2017. <laughs> I know. I just turned 31 last month. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I just turned 36. Yeah. It's, I'm like 40s coming up. That's like, happening. Big time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real thing. I know. But I equate that to music in the way that 40 years ago, let's say in the 70s, no one thought about being a musician for a living without going through all the motions of getting a record deal and doing all that. If you didn't have those things, you weren't going to be a professional musician. No, I mean, I don't know much about it. I've talked to like old cats, you know, and seen some stuff and read some stuff. But I mean, I guess there, there was, um, you know, there was the option to be like a, like a house band. Right. Like, you know, um, my bass player, Brooks, his grandfather did that for a while. Like mm-hmm. he would just be in one club mm-hmm. and then like whoever, you know, the talent buyer brought in for that week. Right. They would just fly him or the one guy would travel and yeah, he would yeah. just have the charts and, and yeah. the guys would like learn all this stuff. So that was an option, I think. But as far as like, like traveling and like gigging, like original music, there was no way. Right. right? Or the local scene of just going out and playing acoustic shows yeah. during the week. None of that existed. Sure. And so nobody thought to spend their time doing that mm-hmm. if that wasn't on the table. And that I, I'm equating that to, to golf mm-hmm. in that if you weren't beating everybody constantly, beating the hell out of everybody, there was no reason to pursue that as a career. Sure. Nowadays, the technology has advanced so much that it's a lot easier to shoot those low scores if you have the raw talent and then there's coaches everywhere that want to take you in there's there's national schools like the Jim McLean Academy that's here in Arlington uh-huh. you know that's a national school there's eight or nine locations across the country of that place wow and then Hank Haney's got the same thing all over yeah. the country and I that's who I took lessons from for from a, really from, from Hank Haney four years I was at the Hank Haney Golf Ranch oh, okay. in McKinney so it was either him or Tim Cusick okay uh, who is the head pro at the Las Colinas TPC where the Nelson is held Wow. Um, now. And so, yeah. And so there are so many more, like there are so many more musicians trying to make a living now. There's so many more really, really good golfers. Right. And so for me, uh, you know, it's, I can, I can do really well what by my standards and still not even get close. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's hard, but I, it's something that, that, doesn't interfere with making a living as mm-hmm. a musician. So I, I don't really bother myself with with splitting my, my brain activity between mm-hmm. the two because they don't overlap at all. Right. You know, I, I get up a little earlier in the morning and I go to the driving range for a couple hours and work on something and then I can go home and take a nap and then I can go still make a living. Still go make a gig, yeah. And so I don't really, you know, I don't really worry about it. Uh, because it's something that I genuinely love. It was my first love. I've been playing tournaments and competing as a golfer since I was about nine. See, do you think that you have to have to start that early now? Absolutely. There are. You would be hard pressed to find more than a handful of guys on the on the web dot com or the PGA tour that didn't play in college, right? And haven't been playing. And I, you know, you can't play in college without playing in high school. Yeah. You really can't play on the high school team. Yeah. Without. And you can't having started very young. Yeah, and you're not going to be good enough to compete mm-hmm. in high school without having played that young. I didn't play in college. There's something that I've <clears throat> always kind of regretted. I I gave it up towards the end of my senior year. I you know I had a car and I had a girlfriend and I my yeah. my attention shifted elsewhere and I just wanted to have fun and That's not a, you have to have a, a certain mindset. Yeah, it is, and you have to have a certain mindset for it to to want to go to the range for six hours a day and play every day. Oh, that's tough. And that's how I feel about it now. But, and for the last couple of years, but you know, I didn't then. And I, 
I regretted. We, my, I remember talking with my parents about submitting applications for scholarships, for golf scholarships. And I remember that we submitted a couple and I think we got a couple of interviews and then I just threw my hands up and said, nah, this is, I don't want to do this. Not doing it. And I, you know, I regretted that ever since, but you know, that's the path I ended up on and I'm here and I'm very happy with my life at this point. But sure. it's something that I wish that I, I put it down for about six years and I, didn't touch a golf club. That's a long time to, yeah. To you know, I mean, how was it when you came back? It was rough yeah. for a while, and I came back because a friend of mine wanted to learn. He had never played before, and I said, "Well, I've got some clubs. I used to be okay. I'll you know, I'll help you out." And then I started playing for fun, and I wasn't trying to compete. And then all of a sudden, I got back to the level that I was before, where I was competing nationally. And I went, okay, well, shit, now I got to yeah. <laughs> take this seriously again because now I'm there's – a, there's a very, very thin veiled threshold between playing for fun and then being good enough that you can't play for fun anymore because if you don't play well, it's not fun. No, I was, I was about to say, especially, you know, you're an intense sort of guy in, in your own way, you yeah. know. I bet, like, there's days when you just – are miserable out there yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely i am that's a that's an interesting way to describe me i do have a really weird intensity about certain things and it's off-putting i'm sure to it's a not lot off-putting of it's just you know you you always like um sometimes it's just like um it's like you can see like the your mind's <laughs> racing about something you know right, right yeah well that's definitely an apt description of me but yeah there are those days where you know, I, I average in the low 70s, and that's an average day for me. And if yeah. I don't do that, it's miserable Gosh. for me. I hate it. I'll go out and shoot an 80-something, an 83, and I'm just going, why am I why even am playing I this doing game? This? I hate yeah. this game. You know, I'll go out the next day and shoot a 71, and then I'll go, okay, well, this is why. Because I'm, you know, but I don't know. But I, I don't know how we ended up on this on that, but that's something that I genuinely enjoy. No, it's that. interesting to me, you know, and to you know, for people who haven't lived in the in the in that world or whatever, it's yeah. all it's all new information because I don't. Yeah, you're the only person I know that knows anything about it, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I knew knew some guys that played in college, uh, but you know, as far as like what you're talking about, like qualifiers and all this stuff, it's like, well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's cool. It's it's real similar in in the amateur world to to like being a touring musician because mm -hmm. if you're if you get on the web.com tour which is not nearly as hard as getting on to the PGA tour um you still have to play 30 plus tournaments a year to make a living. Those guys that are that are making 50 grand a year, right. You know, they're in the top 30 every week. And um, you have to travel across travel. the country and you have to go every Sunday. You're, you're in the last day. Monday, you go to the next place, whatever it is. Wonder you route if they it, like, just uh, like touring. You route your tournaments. The guys like travel together like a friends yeah. and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Stay in the same hotel rooms yeah. and all that. You, you talk to your buddies about what your calendar is going to be this year. And we can we can ride together and we can split a hotel and we can, you know, Jeez. rent the car and whatever. It's, it's, it's a lot like touring as a musician. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of planning and routing that goes into it. That makes sense. 
Yeah. And, and not a lot of money. <laughs> not a lot of money. That's the problem. Yes. It's a lot of fucking work yeah. for not a lot of money. And that's uh, the problem. And those, I mean, some of those guys, and you're playing, at that point, there's a weird level of pressure because you're playing for your mortgage payment right. and your water bill and your kids' yeah. food and stuff like that. Yeah, and that's a level of pressure that I've never had. Yeah. You know, for, yeah, It's not like, well, I want to buy my uh, next yacht. It's like, yeah, I don't want my electricity to get shut yeah, off while yeah. I'm out here. Yeah, my wife is at, at home. You know, she's slaving away at yeah. whatever job she's how got. long till she starts resenting me enough till <laughs> yeah, she's gone <laughs> exactly she's picking up extra shifts at the hospital or and whatever I'm out here playing a game yeah and and making you know i might make five grand this week and i might make three hundred dollars this week and lose money on my yeah. travel expenses and that's yeah. that's how they live Oof. and and the cream rises to the top you know just like anything else because that pressure you either thrive under that pressure or you buckle and that's, you know, it's just like anything else, sure. you know, and, and, but I've never had to compete for a living. I've, yeah. I've competed on, on national stages, but it's never been for a living mm-hmm. and I can't comprehend that level of pressure of, of that transition between quitting whatever your job is to do it and then getting to where it sustains itself. You must, you know, just also to equate it back to being a musician, you know, it must help so much to be single. You know, it would have to. Yeah. You know, just to be like, you know, you could be like, well, I don't mind eating ramen noodles every night or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if you got a family at home, it, it makes it that much harder. And, you know, you see musicians go through that same thing, too. Like, yeah, where it gets things get like tougher and like a lot more real deal. You know, yeah. whenever whenever there's somebody at home that like is relying on that, that your income. Yeah, there's I've, there's that level in and as a musician as well, where you you go from playing a lot of shows that you can drive home from mm-hmm. to being out for weeks at a time, months at a time. And yeah. you have to do that to get to the next level where you're making more money in your home more. Yeah. But there's that solid year and a half of following a, someone's bus around in your broken down van, yeah. you know, and yeah. <laughs> hoping that enough people come out the next time you're there. No, that's tough. And, well, and, 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 you know, you you can't. You got to, um, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna be playing, you know, Minneapolis on a Tuesday night or whatever, you gotta go back. You know, you can't just do yeah, it the one time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that it's it's rough. Yeah, I've done a handful of those, just following the bus around tours, and it's just, you know, they get hotel rooms and you have to sleep in the car. You're making four hundred dollars and they're making ten grand. Sure. And you're like, oh, man, <laughs> what have I gotten myself into here? I know it. I've done, you know, not not month you know probably you know package tours or stuff like that i've done you know three weeks or four weeks or whatever not months upon months yeah but uh it gets tough man it gets tough to i mean i mean just things like the price of gas will really like ruin your tour yeah (laughs) Yeah. that's pretty wild i saw a thing on uh one of the social medias uh yesterday that ryan adams down at south by doing pedicab shifts in order to make his South by experience more lucrative for, for, and that's like, that's Ryan Adams. <laughs> that's so funny. He might've been doing it as a gimmick, but yeah, I think I mean, that, but yeah, dude, that are, are you going down? No, no, I haven't done it in years. Me either. It's I, such a cluster. It is a fucking nightmare. Down it is there, dude. <laughs> a nightmare. It is a nightmare. <laughs> I, uh, Even as a fan, it's a nightmare because yeah. it's so popular. It's just too much. And, I thought the last time we did it, you know, I just remember thinking like, this is the last time I come down for this yeah. fucking thing. Until you're on a bigger stage. Right. You know, you know, where everything's a lot easier. Yeah. But you're not, I, I can remember having loaded into a 30 minutes power set 
and having my TM just circle the block for 30 minutes because there's nowhere to park your trailer. Oh, yeah. So just drive in a circle for 30 minutes, and we'll be done. We'll, we'll load out in the same out. spot on the curb right here. We'll go to the next one. And the, yeah, That's the way it is. I, we had to – it was like um, one of the ones, the last ones we played, park like miles and miles away, and everything was backlined except our guitars, but we didn't have – we couldn't get to the club. Mm-hmm. So we had to like park at – as close as we could to our venue, then call a cab and get him to come pick us up <laughs> with our guitars and take us yeah. and somehow figure out how to get us. It's like, man, what? Yeah. This is just... It's costing you $30 <laughs> to play a free show for yeah. 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. That's horrible. It is. And it's it's defeating itself at this point because it, you know, it used to be an industry thing where you're mm-hmm. trying to find unsigned artists and the labels are all there. And now it's just a big party and everyone wants to do it to say they've done it and then... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those say you've done it things. Yeah. yeah, or say you know, or say you're about to do it is, is even probably more apt. Like, yeah, we're going down for South. Yeah, by. yeah. You, know. you can book a whole tour on that. Yeah, on your way to South <laughs> by from wherever. Yeah, Magnolia Motor Lounge picks up a ton of artists every night of the week. Of, oh sure, of, they're just trying to get gas money on the way down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, clubs in Denton, same thing. Um, but yeah, I, th- I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying I played my last one, but I'm. I'm Definitely going to be a little bit more cautious going forward. Yeah, it's rough. Yep. It's rough. So you've got a new record out. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or it's been out for it's, it's been out a couple months now. Yes, yeah, it came out September. Yeah. It, it'll be new until I make another one. Yeah, yeah for <laughs> sure. My latest record <laughs> yes. for however long. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was cool. awesome. Thank you. I Yeah, Hillary and I listened to it. Uh, on his big speakers out there, and right. he was kind of giving me the breakdown on some studio tricks that you guys used. And there's a lot of trickery involved. Yeah, because um, Matt I'm into that. For yeah, sure. me too. Matt Pence was the producer, which uh, a lot of people will know him because he's, he's produced a ton of records. He was mm-hmm. also, you know, he drummed for Centromatic, which was a mm-hmm. big time band out of Denton. Um, but he <laughs> he was super creative, more than. Yeah, you know, there's some guys who are just like, I'm going to capture what you're doing perfectly, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's some guys who are like, let's try anything. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the the most try anything guy yeah. that we've ever used. And um, and it was really, really cool and um, just so different. It, it took longer because there was so much trying out stuff mm-hmm. that you would get, be like, well, that was fun trying that out, but that sucks. And we're not going to use that, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but fortunately... Um, you know, um, Matt is like super reasonable about going late and his, his rates aren't crazy. I mean, the whole thing wasn't cheap, but you know, we, we were fortunate, fortunate enough to have time to like make those mistakes and, um, just try stuff out. And so much of it was like, Oh shit. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Was, that was totally worth it. We're do we're keeping that. That's you know? awesome. Um, he was telling me about one thing specifically that I'm going to try on my next uh, endeavor this summer uh-huh. uh, about there was a, a bridge section on one of the songs and correct me if I'm uh, I'm the third party, fourth party now okay. regurgitating this back to you. But he said that there was a drum track that got doubled, but it was slowed down half, like slowed down and then played over and then sped back up. And it was doubled on top of itself in that way. I think so. It so. Made this drum part like on this bridge super fat, and he played it for me over and over again. Yeah, there was a lot of like various because he's you know for the a lot of that drum stuff he would he would you know have it go to tape, and you can vary speed it down. Right. So 
and then also play a lot of stuff backwards. So there's a lot, right. like a lot of tom sounds that are backward toms, yeah, but slowed down. So it's right. not just like you know, so it's like huge. you know that sort of thing. And then you know he would like run them through like a distortion box that you know you might use for a guitar or something. Yeah. I mean just crazy wild stuff. But yeah, the the, the backwards slowed down thing that it was that's a, awesome tons of stuff yeah it makes it sound huge there's yeah. this section and there's this drum fill and it sounded like an arena yeah like it was just massive yeah, it makes and, and a lot of that stuff too was like that wouldn't be the only overdubbing like i mean just, okay well let's just put more toms and more toms and you know <laughs> there was a whole like setup of just toms you know and so there'd be like me and hillary or whoever was around like two sticks each you know yeah and just like trying to remember the pattern, <laughs> you know, and it was all, they do that all the time. And at first I was like, man, I don't know. What's this going to be like? Yeah. Then, uh, you know, I was like, I trust Matt. And that's and important. Ended up being like, okay. You know, it was like, I'm starting to get it. And by the end of it, I was like, you do have a really good idea about how to see into the future and know how this is all going to come together. Yeah. But that's, yeah, you got to trust the guy. Yeah, well, that's the tremendous value of having a producer that you trust, and, mm-hmm. and him him understanding. I guess you have to spend a lot of time making him understand what your vision is, mm-hmm. and then saying, "Okay, now I trust you to bring that to life." Yeah. And when he says, "Just trust me, this is going to be cool." It sounds yeah. like shit right now <laughs> for the next three days. Yeah. But it's just going to work out. You yeah. just go all right and spend more money on those extra days. That yeah, there was a lot of that, and the same goes for musicians that are you're with. You know, if you trust them, you know. I remember that the first track on there it was "Stepping Into Sunshine," and that um, you know the it, the whole drum part, like for the first two and a half or three minutes, is just like a kick going, and like maybe one tom and the snare is going right. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah, and Gabe. Um, Gabriel Pearson, he he wrote that part, and I was like, Gabe, hey, I don't know, man. Like yeah. this, 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 just this the whole time, and then it finally breaks open into big symbols and stuff. Yeah, and he was just like, dude, I'm telling you, this is cool. <laughs> and I was like, you just have to trust me. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And of course, now I love it. Yeah, you, know? you spend half a day just with your fingers crossed, like, please, <laughs> looking at him out of the side of your face, yeah, just like, going, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's I like I do the same kind of thing with with my band. I've I've had the same drummer and bass player for about four years now, mm. and and I, I trust them implicitly. I they're they're very talented, and they by now know what I like and what I don't like. And so when I write a song, I'll make a demo and I'll send it to them. And my what they understand is learn the song and then do what do a cooler version of whatever i sent you whatever i played drums on this keyboard like it's not right. obviously he's going to do a better drum <laughs> part than that so i you know and then we do a rehearsal and we play through it and we i pick and choose what i like and don't like and sometimes you just go just w- what you think you are part of my sound you know mm-hmm. for the last 4 years so if that's what you think you know then okay. then that's what it's going to be <laughs> and i learned to love it you know yeah. there's and then sometimes i don't but you you definitely. I like to give them the freedom of that, though. The, mm-hmm. the point of that story, and that giving Gabe the freedom to do that, and then trusting him to do it. That's you have to do that. I mean, you. You're. I'm not a very good drummer. You know, I've mm-hmm. played enough to to be able to say this is the kind of groove I want. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't do it on my own record. Sure. You know what I mean. Sure. And so I trust that that's his job, and I'm yeah. not going to tell him how to do his job. He knows better than I do how to do it. You know, right, and yeah, and so you gotta, you know, not only is is he been playing with you for four years, 
and you love the way he's been playing with you for four years, but he, he spent how many years before that trying to become an expert at drums? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so who am I to tell him right. how to do his job? You know? Yeah. I, I, I'm I with you. I wouldn't dream of, of doing that. And, and I like to do that with subs too. I'll give him the record. I'll say, this is what he did. You know, this obviously you don't, you're not him. So right. do your version of that. And sure. then, you know, all my sub drummers are completely different styles, mm-hmm. but they all make it, it's all cool. And, sure. it, and it makes me think different. You know, if I have a sub for a weekend, you know, I, I look at the song differently because the groove is different. It makes me feel a different Might way. Might make like something come out a little different in, in yeah. what you play. Yeah. That you and didn't even know was there. Or yeah. Something. And that evolution, I think, is extremely important. You know, I'm still playing songs off a record I did two years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, but they're if you listen to them now and listen to the record, they're not the same really anymore. The song is the same, but the vibe is different. The yeah. intros are different, you know, and, and that's important. Sure. For at least for my own sanity. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not enough. I don't have an affinity for jam bands in the say for this in the sense of like a 20 minute. Every song is a jam band song, mm-hmm. but I like to play solos and I like to extend things. Sure. And, you know, people I'm, dig that. I, yeah, as long as, as long as it doesn't go for like twenty five minutes, or whatever. <laughs> right? It's not. It doesn't turn into a Grateful Dead concert. <laughs> uh, uh, I could never get into the Grateful Dead. I respect what they're doing, but I, I've never seen them live. I've been told the only way to really get it is to go see the show. You know, I was late. I guess say I was going to say I was late to the game on it, but I mean, like I didn't even I couldn't have named you a Grateful Dead tune mm-hmm. until um, Grady. Um, Sandlin joined and started playing with us, and he's like, it's like his favorite band or yeah. one of them. And so he he would he showed me a few things, and I was like, oh, well, I like this, you know. So there's, I've definitely heard some things that I like, um, that I thought was super badass. Now this idea, I mean, maybe I don't know, I don't know if I could go to a show that's like that long <laughs> with that much jamming. I well, mean, that's the whole vibe. Though. That's what I've been told. When you talk to those people, there's a visual aspect of it. Yeah. There's a huge, tremendous light show that mm-hmm. goes along with it that they change for every tour. Okay. And there's that. And then the songs, it's not, the way I understand it, it's not one song for 20 minutes. It's it's Like a medley sort of deal? Yeah, but they make it up on the spot. Okay. So it's it morphs into multiple things. They jam on that for a few minutes, then it morphs into this thing. Okay. And I can get on board with that. If I know ahead of time that's what I'm that's going what into. That's what you're getting into. <laughs> yeah, that's a big caveat to that argument. Yeah. Um I mean, I I wouldn't be opposed to trying it, but uh <laughs> it sounds like you're smoking weed for the first time I'm like, well, I mean, you're well, talking I me guess. into it. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, sometimes, you know, it just that's just one of those bands. There's a lot of bands like that that I just like actually should know right. s- some things about that I have no clue. You know, I was like that for for Bruce Springsteen for a long time. Yeah, you're it's, a big I, Bruce fan. I am now, you, but you, but you I had Bobby. I had no idea. Yeah, you know, for the longest time, and then when I finally started listening, I said, like, "Oh, this is the best things ever." Right. You know? um, I haven't had my Springsteen phase yet. Yeah. I'm aware of most of his catalog, but I haven't. Just never. I haven't ever. Deal. I don't know. I, I've I like it a lot, mm-hmm. but I've I've never sat down and just it blown my mind. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? In, in the way that some other bands do. I, I've never had a Beatles phase either. I don't really care for the Beatles. I like the Beatles. This is going to sound horrible to all these people listening. <laughs> the Beatles are fine. I like the Beatles as songwriters, 
better than I like them as performers. You mean? Do, do you mean like? Um, I like people covering Beatles songs more, better than more than I like the original version. Wow, that's 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 a bold statement. I I stand by it. <laughs> there are a lot of Stevie Wonder's done a, a handful of them, and a lot of people have done. And I just like their versions better. Maybe it's because I like those artists better. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Stevie Wonder is my number one all time. Well, I mean, he's brilliant. He, absolutely, and but when he takes one of those songs, he makes it his, and it sounds like him, and I, sure. I like that better. You know, the, yeah. the four piece, you know, two guitars and and drums and bass. You know, that's pretty played out to me. Yeah, and I is. know that they were one of the first to do that. I'm not taking anything away from their musical contribution, but I, when other people get a hold of it and make it a little bit more creative, I I stand by that a yeah. little bit more. So I like them as songwriters. Huh, that's interesting. I mean, I, I, I'm not like the biggest Beatles guy either. I mean, I, I, I know their stuff and I, I like a lot of it. Like, like I love a lot of it. Sure. There's some stuff that I, you know, like yeah. I could sort of take or leave. Yeah. They have a lot of different phases. They definitely I don't do. think that everyone can like all of them. No. I think you have to cherry sure. pick which I mean, phase you like. No one just writes. There's going to be some songs that just aren't your deal. Of course. Um, Except for but, Springsteen. Oh no, he has plenty that, that I'm like, okay, skip, you know. <laughs> but but um, I don't know. I guess I guess I like cover songs too. But um, I I there's some sort of like value about this guy being the original to me. Like okay, yeah. okay, this is it, it. It didn't exist until it did exist with these guys right. made it this song, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. So that always kind of like is the trump card for me, even if it's mm-hmm. like a bet. Not a great performance or a bad recording, like an old recording, doesn't sound great a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of times. But, but uh, a lot of people have done that with a lot of Dylan songs. He never really had very much good quality recording, <clears throat> but yeah, that's what it. That's the way he wrote it, and that's the way it's supposed to be done. Yeah. You know, so I, I can, I can agree with that for sure. Um, speaking like Neil Young is one of those guys that I, ne- I just never even like tried any of his stuff me neither I could never get over that voice man. no me neither that's exactly I'm gonna say another one that I don't like and this is gonna be very blasphemous and I but I feel for that same reason I feel I hate Tom Petty oh wow cannot stand listening to Tom Petty I actually thoroughly enjoy his music but his voice is like nails on a chalkboard to me (laughs) a lot of people feel that way it's just whiny yeah, and I, 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 but I enjoy his music. I can get over it and listen yeah. to it. You know, it doesn't make me want to vomit. But sure, but I just don't like him. <laughs> I am sure he's a great person, but the him singing, <clears throat> I, if it were the same band with the same words and the same vibe, but a different singer, I feel like I would enjoy it You'd a lot love more. It. I don't know. That's, That's a pretty so hard stance. That no, I've I, taken, I, but. I, I, you know. He's another one that's like I, I dig it, you know, but I've never like I, I don't know like one of his records top down. Like I couldn't name you, you know. I couldn't even name you a record. Yeah, I probably couldn't either. Actually, there's one song that I that I genuinely enjoy a lot, and it's the it's like Honey Bee or something like that, mm-hmm. and it's pretty groovy. Yeah, like like almost funk groovy, and it's like. It's like dirty bluesy groovy, and I'm I'm down you like with that. that. You, you like you like the the you're way into the groove. Yeah, that's been my whole life musically. I uh, I grew up playing piano and drums, mm-hmm. uh, so and I have a very strong affinity for R and B music mm-hmm. uh, and like classic Motown stuff, and that's what I played 
you know, when I was a kid. My dad was a traditional blues guitar player, like traditional, traditional, like oh. B, like BB King traditional. Okay, <clears throat> you know, pentatonic. Mm-hmm exclusive right uh not because he couldn't do more but because it's what he likes and well, that's, that's the way the blues sounded right? yeah and that's what it was and 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 so that was my introduction to guitar playing but i was way off into jazz and r&b type stuff backbeat exclusively just yeah. just groove stuff and that's you know that's translated into what i do now but <clears throat> I, I don't know yeah you can hear it you know when you when i watch you play i mean it's like I mean, you you know that's like way obvious that this is like, you know, yeah, your thing, and I think that's cool because a lot of that probably the musicians you know that that I don't are are way more into or or do that more, but like a lot of guys I see playing, it's like seems like it's going away. Like I don't I don't that 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 really grooving stuff. Like I, you know, I only know a handful of guys that do it like that. Yeah, you know. There's a world of that that I don't exists. know. There must be. There's yeah. a there's a pocket of it that exists. Uh, most of them, locally, most of them are in Dallas. There's a group of people who came up in the Booker T mm-hmm. uh, high school performance high school that all know each other, and they're all about my age or between my age and your age now. Mm-hmm. But they kind of cultivated that scene in Dallas. I've always heard about it, but I've never yeah. like gone over and there they, and seen shows. I mean, they are some of the most unbelievable musicians that I've ever seen. I mean, national really? national quality musicians, and they you know they haven't had their break yet. And whenever wow. they do, it'll be you know they'll skyrocket, but they haven't yet. And so they've you know they they all stuck together and cultivated this like R and B fusion jazz scene over mm-hmm. there. it's tremendous but where my style of music exists because it doesn't exist here i have a really hard time touring in texas mm-hmm. uh playing that style of music there are only a handful of clubs that that genuinely support that style of music but my my wheelhouse is a triangle between philadelphia dc and new york city really and somewhat down the east coast that world is there are musicians doing exactly what we're doing and thriving up there. That's how often do you get up there to tour then? Not enough. I don't have a booking agent right now and I haven't for a few years. And so it's really difficult to route long enough to get up there yeah, and back. You get all the way up there and all the way. Yeah. Back. And if I, you know, it's those weekday shows that don't pay very much that you have to, that you have to get that I can't get on my own. Yeah. You know, I can't convince this club to give me $800 on a Tuesday sure. for 30 people. You know, and I know that we have radio presence up there, so mm-hmm. it's not that we're invisible. It's just a matter of getting there and back because it's so far from here. I wonder if there are guys who do like this might be the but like a la carte like uh, tour booking, like in other words, like not not your permanent agent, but someone who will just book your tour right. to get up there and back. That's a good question. That might be a pretty lucrative business. Take you on for three months and yeah then, you know if, so, if no one's doing that someone should do that that's a that's a pretty solid business model potentially like or even you know yeah it's just like I, I you know i've got an anchor somewhere can you get me up there and back and just and then right. and then your job's over right yeah <laughs> just put this two-week tour together yeah yeah and then get your commission and move someone on should do that i don't know i mean it seems like the guys that work at the agencies would do that because it, it's nothing but profit for them sure they're not losing money on you mm-hmm. you know they they spend a week of their time booking you two weeks of tour at their clubs for less money but they're still you know you're not on their roster the biggest issue that i've had getting booking agents has been that we don't play uh we don't make enough money annually yeah and i've <laughs> had the same issue i've been i'm i don't have one right now either we are doing it ourselves and 
I've sucks. been through several of them. It does suck. <laughs> I'm lucky because my bass player is Brooks, and that's his day job is to talent buy it. Right. And and he he likes it, and his dad does it, his grandpa mm-hmm. did it, and all this stuff. But he gets busy, you know. And um, but yeah, like the agents I've had before in the past, I've probably been through three or four or five of them. I don't know. But yeah, it's like we just don't produce gross enough, right? You know. Yeah. And um, they're always trying to up the number, and it's like, I, I man, I'll go where you say go. Like, what yeah. do you want me to do? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's that's a weird chicken and egg thing. Mm-hmm. Is they don't want you. I've the conversations I've had with the bigger agents, I'm probably shooting too high for myself, but they all say, you know, we need you to be making more money. And I say, well, I can't make more money until you get me these shows that I can be getting. Right. You have to build it. You have to grow. And, and it, yeah, there's that, like I, we were talking about earlier, there's that year where you're popular, but you're not making enough money, mm-hmm. but the only way to remain popular is to tour but you're not making enough money to have a booking agent. So you have to do, you have to do this hustle and you know, there's this, I don't know. There's that, the book, the, the time of agents and labels taking a chance on an artist and hoping it works out is long gone. Oh yeah. I and that's so what guys like me need. You yeah. Know? But yeah. I mean, everything now is, you know, Oh, well, you know, pull up his, because every you know anyone could find out how much we made. Yeah, easily. Know? Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's all readily available. It's like okay, well, <laughs> but and then also you know a lot of times too like that um, that throwing you on a bigger tour or whatever, like um, that sometimes seems like a or just having you do a bunch of opening gigs for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes that could be like, and it's easier for the for the agent to do that because he's already working on. And no one cares who opens the show. Right. He's already putting in one of his bigger acts on mm-hmm. then like having like really hustling and doing the hard work of getting you in the right room for the right amount of money in mm-hmm. front of the right people that are there for you, you know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that doesn't exist in a town. Like so there are towns where I I don't have that a room like that. Most towns, you know. Mm-hmm. But there's a way to build it, you know. It's just like Yeah. Um yeah, strange strange world all that and getting stranger <laughs> yeah well it is it's just the market is so flooded with artists and you can't take a chance on everyone that you think might work out because not everyone's gonna make it yeah <clears throat> you know and they have to kind of decide who they think has that potential but the the agents that i've been approached by over the last year or two since we've you know put that record out and did well and then whatever uh all of them want to come in and and say okay well give me all your contacts and I'll book these shows for you. And then I'll try to grow it and I'll go, well, what contacts do you have? And they go, well, we're, you know, we're just going to cold call. And I go, well, I'm not paying you commission on gigs. I'm already booking. <laughs> right. Why would I do that? I'm making less money now than I'm already making, which is not enough. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to give you 10% of it. Yeah. That whole thing. Like, yeah, I, I've, I've had guys like that. Yeah. Just basically say, okay, this sounds great. Now tell me, tell me, how often you go here? How often you go here? How often you go here? Yeah. And just give me give me their phone number. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, this ain't the thing. No. <laughs> I'm not responsible for your contact list. No. <laughs> you know, that's it's a weird thing. Yeah. Booking is a weird thing, but you have to do it and and it sucks to do it by yourself. It, yeah. I, it's I did, tough. I toured on that black, white and gray record for 2 years 
and I booked every single show. You know, I didn't have an agent for that, but we were touring everywhere. I mean, we did really well on that. And even then, we were booking festivals for, you know, thousands of dollars, and we were booking a lot of rooms and going back and increasing money and increasing the door. Yeah. And I kept, every time we would go somewhere and it would be better, I would shoot an email to about 10 different agencies and go, look, this is happening right now. We're in the middle of it. We're not where you need it to be yet, but the numbers are headed in that direction. And they'd go, great, call me when you get there. And I'd go, well, I need your help to get there. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't just do this. So and they never did. And it all kind of petered out. We, we spent about two years on that record. And, and I got as far as I could physically go by myself. There were, there were venues that I just physically just couldn't get into because I don't have an agent. And they would they would delete my emails because it's not coming from their guy that books mm-hmm. that club all the time. You know, that it's it was weird. I was very surprised. We were we were fairly successful by my standard mm-hmm. and I never got even a nod in that direction. And I was very surprised by that. Yeah. And it made me really think about how I had approached it and you know, what I would do differently this you know, we're gonna do a new record this summer and how I'm gonna try to do it differently. It's like, geez, what else can you do? I yeah, and that's <laughs> I didn't really know. I and I think <clears throat> one of the big things that I think happened was we put the record out by I put the record out by myself. I paid mm-hmm. for it and released it and distributed it and then shopped it. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to do on this next one is I'm going to make the record and I'm going to sit on it for that's what everyone does now six months. Yeah, and I'm just going to send it to everyone I can think of. I'm going to make 500 of them and I'm going to say this is in the barrel. And if you're interested in taking this on, let's put a launch together and let's go. Yeah, because that's that's such a big thing. Like, even if it's just been released for a, a week, it's already an old story. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing to look forward. It's an to. old story when it's about to come out two weeks from now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Nothing else to look forward to until the next one. Yeah. And so you know, I've had so many people be like, "Well, you know, I really wish you would have." set on this record or, or, you know, just yeah. had it kept it in the can or whatever. Um, I think that's smart, you know? Well, I'm way too impetuous for that. Yeah. It's too hard for me to do that. <laughs> I want to like, every time I write a song that I think is good, I want to go cut it and release it as a single every time. I, just I go, wanted, I wanted that to be just, the, the way so bad. Let me just fire this one out there and see what happens. And then three months from now, we'll fire another one out there and see what happens. Wouldn't that be great if that's the way, you know, that's the way it was like in the fifties or whatever. Yeah. So you don't have to like get enough money together to buy a car every time you want to do something in <laughs> yeah, a studio. Yeah. You can just do like, I can do a song in a day. Sure. I can do a whole song in yeah. one day and it will be fun. And you know, you could just get, rehearse it beforehand and it'd be great. Yeah. And then just release it. And then the, I wish it would go back to that. So bad. Yeah. I thought it was going, to every two years just release a compilation of all the singles wouldn't that you, be great <laughs> it, makes, it makes more sense i mean to in this world that we live in now of, of instant gratification yeah you know as soon as a record comes out like you said it's old what's the next thing yeah what's like the next, next thing next week a whole new group of records are going to come out or next month you know, sure on release day and if you want to stay relevant as an artist like doesn't it make more sense like okay i feel like i'm on the hook to like you know once a month put out a t- or you know, record a tune once every two months. Then yeah. instead of here's my record now, yeah. it'll probably be two and a half for three years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's not for a lack of content. Right. You know, and you know, you got to get enough people, money to get but people cherry pick records too on oh, iTunes. Yeah. And that's the biggest problem. <clears throat> Why would I make a 10 song record? If you're only people are going to on average only buy like six of them. Right. You know, I know the last record I did was an EP and it wasn't because I didn't have enough material. I had about 12 songs. I narrowed it down to five. Yeah. And I said, I'm just going to release these. And I've got five more songs. If I want to do another EP, mm-hmm. we, they're already done. We can just do them. 
I did two EPs, you know, but but somehow like uh, I felt like the people in the industry were like, well, this isn't like a real record, and it's like I, I know exactly. it has less songs, but exactly, it's, they're good. It's like, an, yeah, it's an EP, like you're a beginner, right? Because you don't have enough yeah. material like, to do a when full is your, record. When is your when is your real new record coming? Yeah, out? it's crazy. <laughs> it's like, it's so crazy. so that's you know. Then I was like, okay, no, they'll never want to go back to. Well, it'll be. I feel like the 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 one song at a time thing. It just we need some of the old guard to go away. Yeah, you know, like and kind of get you know get some people in who are like willing to think about it like you and I are instead of just like no, this is the way shit is done and always has yeah. been and always will be. Yeah, damn it. Well, that's how pop stars do it. They they'll yeah. release a single before the record comes out. Then they'll release another single in the next cycle three months later, yep. and then they'll release the record, and then they'll release two more singles the next six months of on, off of that same record. Yeah, you know, while they're touring and there's new hotness coming out constantly, and I don't know, but that's millions of dollars that it takes to do that. Yeah, so no, right? That's what I don't have. So if anybody wants to donate, there's a donate button on my website. If anybody wants to donate millions of dollars, yeah, do that. To my, <laughs> it goes straight to my PayPal. <laughs> Just get on there and click the button. Millions of dollars. Oh, I'll man. accept it without shame. That's right. And then, and then, um, you know, all this stuff that we're talking about will just become irrelevant because you know, that's all it takes. <laughs> it's it's like, matter, yeah. No. yeah. Then I'll be a part of the system. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you'll be bitching about me that's releasing right. records the way that I do them. Yeah. I don't know. That's funny. Uh, your record that you put out, like I said before, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I listened to it often. Cool, thank you. Um, but I was wondering, without using any words to put them in your head, what do you classify it as? Well, I don't, you know, I don't really know. I don't think it... I know that that question sucks ass. No, it doesn't. It really does. Because you don't want it. I mean, it's music. It's music that you wrote. That's sure. how you classify it. That's sure. how I classify it. When people ask me what kind of music I write, I go, well, let's just listen sure. to it. What do you think it is? Right. And that's true. But I also know that, that you know, I mean, that's not an uncommon question. No. And you have to classify <clears throat> and you, it. And you, you have to, it. you know, yeah. So I, I would still, I think, I think, you know, I still... We'll call it in some way. Something about it is Americana and our country, alternative countryish. And I don't, I don't know why. If I think that maybe just because it has still guitar on it, which obviously that doesn't mean shit about what genre you're in, not anymore. But um, it may be my voice because it hasn't changed over the. Or I mean, it's changed, but it's. I've always thought of my singing voice as having some sort of like alternative country sort of feeling to it sure. so it's still my voice and there's still guitar on it but as far as the tunes are just like pretty far out there yeah um well, that's one of the things i liked about it is i didn't i couldn't pinpoint it you know i, mean, I think americana is the best place to probably. put it because that doesn't really mean anything anymore right it, it just means that there's like a banjo and and or it's just yeah. whatever it is tedeschi trucks releases their records as americana do they sharon jones releases her records as americana well she used to rest yeah. in peace but you know, so it doesn't really matter anymore. No. But and that's what I think is so great about it. Well, and that's what makes it fun. And and and, and f- there was like a couple, you know, for the record before it, and maybe maybe even the one before that. You know, we we sort of thought, you know, okay, we need to just be need to um, what's the right word? 
you know, make sure we're we're in line with with the way things are going mm-hmm. in whatever genre, you know, yeah, the Texas whatever genre. Pick a direction, yeah, um, and kind of stick with it. And for this, there's a lot of stuff that was like, like there's so so many, much stuff where it was like, I know no one's definitely not going to play this on the radio. Sure, probably most people aren't even going to like this song, you know, but <laughs> I like it, and everyone in the room likes it, so sure. do it anyway. Yeah, you know, and I I think it's a much more healthy way to make music than than. Being like, well, I think it's cool, but you know, we can't do that, man. We can't do it. We know, you know, we can't do that. It's like you can do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> yeah, and you should. Right. If it, you know, when you start spending too much time thinking about what you think people are gonna like, yeah, you know, people aren't gonna like any of no, it. No, they're not gonna like any of it because it's gonna be very contrived. Yeah, and you know, I don't. I mean, it's supposed to be fun and and creative and stuff, and so like, yeah. editing yourself down by like what you think someone else might think that yeah. probably that someone you're thinking of isn't like your favorite musician. It's probably like right. somebody who's very uneducated in music. Right. <laughs> it's and, just like, it's yeah. so bad for music. Yeah. And on an even smaller scale than that, if you could play a show to only people who are genuinely fans of yours mm-hmm. and you play each song and then you hand out a survey card and you say, did you like this? Yes or no. And why every answer is going to be different. Sure. For every song, even in a room that's only people who are genuinely fans of yours. Sure. So why would you spend any time worrying about what people are going to like? That's right. It's impossible. It is. I mean, you have to find your demographic and stay in that lane. But if your demographic is people who like you already, they're going to like whatever you do. Sure. Sure. That's you have to be true to yourself first. You Mm -hmm. have to have fun. That's that's a big revelation that I've had. I took the last 10 months off playing touring with Zach Wilkerson playing keys Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, just getting away from driving the bus and, and booking and doing all the business. Cause I got burned out. I remember when you started that, like you were like, I'm doing this and, and, and you just seemed like a, you were, it was like a relief to not. Yeah. Oh man. The band petered out the booking, the, the, the offers stopped coming in, you know, it just kind of, it, it reached a, a natural death. Mm-hmm. you know, that era. And so I, I had to do something else. But what I learned <clears throat> since I, I left his band in the middle of February and I've played a, a handful of full band shows since then. And what, what happened, I think in that 10 months uh, was where there were a lot of revelations in my life in general, but I, uh, the shows that I played, I walked out on stage and I said, I'm going to play the songs that I want to play the way I want to play them. I, if I want to play guitar solo, I'm going to play guitar solo. If I don't want to stop playing this guitar solo at the logical stopping point, we're going to do it all over again. And I'm going to keep fucking playing it because right. I want to. And I, it's going to be fun for me. Yeah. And I'm going to enjoy it. And if I want to sing it in this register, I'm going to do that. If I don't and I want to play it safe, I'm going to do that because that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Not because if I sing it higher or louder, people will react to it, which was my previous thought. And I would say things and I would do things and I would write these and arrange these sets with these transitions because I thought it would keep people dancing and it would make people like this thing. I'm going to allude to this song in the middle of this song. People are going to cheer. Mm-hmm. And that was my whole thought process. And it got to a point where I think people were going, it seemed that I was just trying really hard to entertain everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think people saw that and went, wait a second, that's not real. Like, that's not what I'm coming to a live show for. And the shows that I've played since February, since then, I've adopted this very liberating philosophy, uh, have been infinitely more fun for me than I, the, some of the most fun shows I've played in years because I just had, I just had fun. I right. played the songs the way I wrote them and the way I wanted them to sound. And I played solos here and I'd send him off on a solo and go play until you're done. 
Right. And when you're done, well, I'll be right here when you're done and we'll move on. And that, and then we're having fun. We're interacting on stage and I'm having fun. And I had zero regard for whether it was going to be received well by the audience. Sure. But what I discovered was upon doing that and genuinely pleasing myself, the audience was having 10 times more fun than they ever had before. I think so. Cause I, you know, one of the, you want the guy, I, I'm entertained when I could tell, that the guy is enjoying himself. Yeah. And, and even a better what <clears throat> this is saying the same thing, but in a different way. I really don't like watching a show when I could tell the guy's miserable. Yeah. That is awful. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And um, so the, in the same time, if you could tell the guy's having the best time, yeah. that's, that's the best show. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, man, I think do that. It's, you know, I mean, but it's, you know, and that, I don't know where I'm headed with that. I just feel better about it. Yeah. I feel better about the product that I'm putting out because it's real. It's me. If you're a fan of me and my artistry, you're going to like it. Mm-hmm. And that's the bottom line. I, I can write an Americana record. I could write a funk record. I could write a blues record. It's all going to be me. The way that I think it should be done and sure. what makes me happy. And if you're just a fan of me in general and you've followed me long enough, you're going to like it because that's what it is. And that's It's all coming through that filter of your brain. Exactly. So. And it's still my voice, like mm-hmm. you said. I sound like I sound. And so that's on top of it. It's still, like you just said, the filter of my brain. I'm going to do the things that I do. My you know, chord progression tendencies and mm-hmm. my solos and you either like it or you don't, but it's not going to be because I've tried to force you to like mm-hmm. it. Exactly. And I think that that's really, that was really important for my own genuine musical happiness because mm-hmm. it wasn't there. I was ready to quit. I mean, back like we sure. were saying a year ago, I was done. I mean, I was looking for a day job. Yeah. I was out selling equipment and just done Is it burned me out. And I didn't understand why, you know, there were other underlying problems that I had to address mm-hmm. personality wise, but I, they're, I'm happier. I've some of these shows and there haven't really been that many people, you know, cause we're getting back into it, you know, so the crowds aren't like they were, but I've had some of the most fun Dude, just in the last month good. than I've yeah. had in years. <laughs> cause I just don't care yeah. whether or not you like it. Sure. I like it. <laughs> we played a jazz tune, like a jazz standard in the middle of one of my sets recently. That's great. Just cause I wanted to. <laughs> I said, hey, let's do this. And they went, really? And I went, yeah. yeah. And we did. And the crowd loved it. And I would have never in a million oh, years yeah. done that before. Because I would have. this would have train wrecked the whole set, derailed the whole set, mm-hmm. whatever. And we did it. And it was awesome. And everyone loved Lots it. Lots of cool solos. And I loved it. And I went, we're doing this now. And yeah. I went up to the mic, <laughs> instrumental jazz song for 10 minutes. I said, we're doing this now. So sit back and relax, you know, take it in. Cause this is what's happening now. Yeah. So deal with it. And then we moved on to the rest of the set and people loved it. Yeah. And you know, I'm sure they did. And that's, it's a, it's a weird revelation for me. Cause I've spent so much time trying to make people enjoy with that style of music, funk music. It's a lot of get up and dance and mm-hmm. clap and interact and yell and have a good time and, and all of that. And, and I started, I found myself like watching Otis Redding videos and James Brown videos and regurgitating things that they did mm-hmm. and it didn't work. I would say and do the exact same thing that they were doing. It didn't work. I didn't get the response that I right. wanted or that I thought I should get, yeah. you know, but then when I started doing my own thing and not even realizing I was doing it, then I get a response. I think people recognize that, that realness, that sure. genuine, sure. that genuineness. That's, that's you what you them. want. You know, that's what you want out of, 
you know, not, I mean, not just people that you're watching play. I mean, that's what you want out of like friends and, you know, just people you interact with. Yeah. People respond so well to that. Yeah. And things that are contrived, you know, I mean, people feel like they're being lied to. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. They're coming out to get some genuine thing and the piece of you and mm-hmm. you're lying to them. Sure. But you know, everyone <clears throat> has done it or even does it to some degree sure. during a show, but you know, um, if you can just err on the side of real, yeah. you know, within whatever yeah. the limits you have, like that's, yeah. I think that's so much better. And those boundaries are important. <clears throat> you know, I'm probably not going to throw a lot of standard jazz tunes in the middle of my set. I did it. It was on a whim for sure. I had a sure. bass player sitting in and he knew the tune. I, we've done it before. You know, I'm not going to do that at every show. It's not a right. jazz show. Yeah. You know, but it was cool in the moment because it was this special thing. I had a guy sitting in for three songs and hey, let's do this. Yeah. You know? It was but, a thing. It was a, it was a real moment. Yeah. yeah. And you, but you have to have the boundaries for sure. You sure. Know, you have to know who your demographic is and, and give them what they expect but you know the they want that genuineness they don't want to be lied to sure yeah. i don't want to be lied to i don't want to go see jason isbell and listen to him play a stevie wonder song right because it wouldn't be right yeah, the, yeah yeah unless he did it like a drive-by truckers version yeah you know what i mean then i would listen but mm-hmm. if he tried to pull off superstition like a funk tune in the middle of his set it wouldn't <laughs> be right i wouldn't believe it <clears throat> and, he, and i don't think he would ever do that because no. yeah it would because it, it, he doesn't give a no. shit whether i like <laughs> no. his set or not you no. know what i mean right that's i've seen him perform and that's the vibe you get the whole time is that hey this is rock and roll yeah. you're gonna you're going to like it and if you don't like it you already paid for it, yeah. so you might as <laughs> well enjoy ass. it. Yeah, <laughs> and he plays. Man, that guy's got some intensity. I love, I love him a lot. I've only seen him one time, but um, guy was he was very, very good. Yeah, it's and I like his songs, you know. But yeah. I, the one time I saw him, I was like, oh, geez. He's a tremendous writer, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize until then what a guitar player he is. Extremely yep. accomplished guitar player. Yeah. And he only does it a few times, which I love even more, that restraint. Because he's oh, got yeah. a guitar player. He's a better guitar player than his lead guitar player is, I think. You think? I, I thought. What I saw him well, do. Well, I, I guess I didn't even notice that part of it. What I saw him do, I mean, some of the stuff he was pulling off, I mean, he went for it. And slide. And I, I mean, I, yeah. I was more impressed by his guitar playing than his lead guitar player. But he only did it like three times. I love that. I love that, too. <laughs> it's funny you brought that up. I think... Um, the last time I saw Travis Linville, he's one of like a very accomplished guitar player too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, in I've, I've seen I've been watching him play guitar for like fifteen years, mm-hmm. you know, or something. With uh, well, started with Birchie Brothers, then with you know, I've seen him with Hayes. He was and then, with Hayes Carl. Yeah, and then now he's doing his own thing, and yeah. he always kind of did his own thing. Yeah. Um, but like now he'll like he has such restraint. I mean, he can do anything he wants yeah, in the world, absolutely right. But then he'll just kind of just every once in a while just do this thing that's like. <laughs> Oh, oh shit, you know? And then that'll yeah. be kind of it for like yeah. 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then everything Couple else will be just, just, you know, just kind of little, I mean, perfect sounding things. Yeah. You know? But yeah. then he'll just be like, you know, this yeah. is like, just, just for this long. Don't you know? forget. Just, just don't forget. Yeah, I can also <laughs> do this if I wanted to the entire time. <laughs> right, right. Well, that makes it that much more special it, it does. when he does it. It does, And yeah. that's that's a very, very mature rest- amount of restraint right, to have. Right, right. I'm still struggling with that because I yeah. want to go 100 miles an hour out of the gate. Sure. And then I run out of steam uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> pretty quickly sometimes. Well, you know, I'm I'm not a very good guitar player either. Or for myself, like I, I can like, uh, you know, maybe do a couple of, th- I've got a handful of tricks, sure. you know? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I don't, I don't try to do very much, but I can understand that like, 
I mean, if you're going to play for a long time and you're just like coming out of the gate, like full steam ahead, yeah. doing all your stuff, like, man, by the end of it, it's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I, one of the things that I learned through, uh, spending a lot of time with jazz and R and B is the art of, and I say I, I've internalized it. I don't apply it as much as I should. So for anyone listening, going this motherfucker, <laughs> I working on it. One of the things that I learned from that style of music, that style of music is more groove centric. Like mm-hmm. you were saying before, it's about the, the pocket and the, mm-hmm. the, the back line of the music to give the rest of it, the platform. And in that style of music and something that I've adopted in my music is that when it's solo time, come up with something to say and spend the time saying it and work up to it. Don't, you don't have to give it all away immediately. And again, something I struggle with because I want to go right out of the gate. But are you saying like even at the the beginning of the solo to the end? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Take to have it's think of it like a paragraph. And, and you're starting the, this, the paragraph, and then you're saying what you need to say, and then you get to the end of it. There's a logical beginning and a logical ending, and mm-hmm. there's all the steps to get there. That's the way that I try to approach it when I have the time. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? In, in, my, in my band, everyone in my band that's a soloist knows when I send you off on a solo, unless it's a scripted part. If it's right. an eight bar section, if it's an open solo where it's a recurring progression or we're going to, you know what the changes are. I basically, I look at them and they look at me and they go. And then I, they know when they're done, whenever they're done, however long it takes, they look at me and then we move on to the next section. That's it. But I'll, sometimes it'll be my turn to solo and I won't, and I won't for eight bars. I'll just stand there and I'll just kind of. The groove carries itself and then you play two or three notes and then you stand there for another eight bars and you let that statement you just made marinate. And then the next thing you do is, is pointed and then you wait and then you get a little build a little bit and the drums get a little louder. I love that. The dynamics of all of that. And that's takes a lot of confidence to do that. Well, I'm comfortable enough as a guitar player to do that. Uh, but I, you know, that's again something that that I struggle with because I want to come out and just punch everyone in the face with guitar <laughs> notes really loud. You know, but that's one of the things that I that I think is so cool about that style of music. One of the things that I love about it, it's a couple of my favorite bands that are mostly instrumental bands, they'll sit on a groove on a on a riff for thirty two bars. And they'll just sit on it. And the longer it goes on, the harder you start banging your head because mm-hmm. it's just the pocket is just slowly going down to the floor. And you just you just get locked into this groove that by the time someone plays something, you're like, No, 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 hold on. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not yeah, I'm not ready yet. Like I'm just doing this for let me just keep tapping my foot. And that I respect that so much because it takes cool. a lot of balls to do sure, that. It does. To just not do anything. Yeah. And everyone the drummer's just playing this nasty groove and the bass player and the, everyone's just locked in. Mm-hmm. together in this moment and it just gets heavier and heavier the longer you wait that's the thing that's a real that's, thing that's cool that's cool i don't I, you know like i said we come from different worlds so like i don't see a lot of guys doing that i don't yeah I'm, I'm not like much of a groove listener or that type of music but so i've never really seen that just 32 bars I mean, of the groove like that's crazy on. it's like if you think about like james brown that dude would have one chord in a song and yeah. it'll go for five minutes and he'll just yell stuff yeah. and the band is just grooving for five minutes and i don't know anybody doesn't like james brown I, no matter yeah, what walk brown. of life yeah. you're from i feel that way about credence too i've never met a, hu- a human being didn't like credence Clearwater. yeah, yeah. 
that's the most universal music I've sure. ever seen. But you know, it's the same kind of thing. That's I don't know. I I just that's what I gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to be in that moment. I, and I'm more of a music person than a lyrics person. Uh-huh. And I've always been that way. Uh, as a I was a musician for a decade or more before I was a lyricist. So it's that cultivated skill set is pretty far behind everything else in my world that's something that i enjoy when i hear guys like jason isbell and ray lamontaine and and people like that who are very crafty with their words yeah i find that to be uh fascinating yeah me too Uh, i I love i love lyrics i've I've probably that was I, i liked the lyrics before i really had an understanding of what was going on musically with with like my, my favorite tunes, you mm-hmm. know. Um, pro- I think that's probably because like my gra- or my my parents list- gravitated towards um, country music, which is all about like the old stuff is all about the storytelling and Absolutely. the music is all the same. Yeah, and a lot, you know. Yeah, a lot of the, the times. sentiment comes from the singer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it took me being around like musicians who were like more skilled than me which is not hard to be, but <laughs> then to point out stuff that I didn't even realize was going on, right. you know? And then once, once that started happening, then like, um, now that's like, Oh, I'm going to be, I want to be doing cool stuff like that, you yeah. know, but I really don't know how. And, you know, so, yeah. um, <clears throat> it's funny. I kind of had the opposite thing as you. <clears throat> um, so when I wanted, wanted to start writing tunes, I would, for like the first record, I think I would just write all the lyrics down first. Hmm without even having a thing, you know, mm-hmm. now I don't do it that way. Now I right. come up with like a little melody and then try to put stuff to it. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm the polar opposite. Yeah. I'll write an entire song before there's any lyrics. Yeah. I'm bridge section intros, outros, solos. I'll do the whole thing and then write words without even li- like, even like a course, anything sometimes, not all the time, Yeah, but I've done that a couple of the songs off of that black, white and gray record. I had finished the entire song before I had any words. Wow. That's crazy. I'll make a demo and then I'll listen to it and it'll strike me in a way and I'll write the song to fit the song. I'll write the yeah. words to fit the song. Well, the, the older I get, the more I think that that makes sense. I'll still have to have like some little, little, little thing that I'll sing like for the hook yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But you know, that way you're, I found that when I was writing them first, I would like try to shoehorn them in. Right. Even though if it didn't make sense, like things got really wordy really fast. Right. You know, yeah. cause you don't think, you don't realize it, but like a lot of, of the great, classic tunes you know like if you, if you were to write like just the verse out there's not that many words yeah <laughs> they get a lot of work done yeah and not a lot of words yeah jason isbell is good at that he mm-hmm. paints a very vivid picture yeah. in minimal yeah. words economy of words yeah yeah that's hard to do too that's one of the things i you know i'm a big like ernest timingway guy and he he would always say he they called it like the the iceberg theory or something it's like say this much but it means all this underneath because yeah. that's how much sticks up from an iceberg absolutely it's a good way to try to be it's like say don't say so much but have it mean the yeah, most you that's know? a good way to just be in life yeah i <laughs> know <right>? need to <laughs> take that under advisement i agree in general <clears throat> that's funny it is funny i i do that I, i'll i come up with a lot of stuff when i'm driving like one-liners or mm-hmm. like a couple of lines worth of uh, something and I'll sing it into my phone and then come home and try to flesh it out. I do that more often than not, but there's been the handful of times where I just had this groove in my brain and I had to just flesh it out yeah. and then it turned into something. That's cool. You know, I like that a lot more. I've, I play piano, guitar and drums and bass and you know, I've dabbled in other things. And so 
I can make the whole thing here. Right. Which is what I spend a lot of my time doing. I'll make, you know, write horn parts and play them on the keyboard with this little that's cheap a, little midi. Yeah, thing that's and cool. I do the drums and everything. Yeah. I'll play you something that I did the other day, actually, whenever we're done here. But okay. I, uh, you know, and it's, and it's a complete song, you know, with intros and outros and drum fills and mm-hmm. all the bit. And I, and I like that. I like <clears> doing that. But then, you know, the words have always come secondary for me uh, in general until I got into the singer-songwriter world. I don't know how I got thrust into the Texas music singer-songwriter world because I've never been in that. Yeah. For the last three, two or three years, I spend a lot of my time doing song swaps with country people. Right. And I don't know how that started for me, but... I mean, is it just a function of, of gigging around here where there's so much of it? Probably. And getting the gigs, you kind of have to end up doing that a lot. Yeah. I don't, I don't learn the songs. I don't, I, I'm the, I'm always the odd man out in a song swap, you know, mm-hmm. multi-man song swap. But I think that I like that, you know, it sets me apart from sure. what the other guys sure. are doing, but, and you're probably the same way because you don't do, you don't do the conform type stuff. You yeah. Know? When I see you and Charlie and, and whoever and red, all three of you guys are so different and that's probably why it works so well. Well, and I feel that way about that. Our, our, our song swap that we do. <clears throat> and, and I um, love it. It's fun. I, you guys did do those residencies in Magnolia, and I I love hearing that. <laughs> well, it was, and it's really fun. But I do feel like like you like if it's like sometimes if I'm like on a three man song swap, maybe I don't know the other guys that well, and maybe they're a little bit more online. Like yeah, with the the main thing going on mainstream or whatever, it could be tough. And I do feel like uh, you know, and yeah. I and I can. There's some times when you could just sense that like everyone in the crowd is waiting for me to get done so we can go back yeah. to the thing that they yeah. like. Yeah. Oh man, I get that. I feel that a lot. I feel that depending on the venue, I feel that a yeah, lot. Yeah, it depends on who you're with in the venue and everything. Um, which that's a that's not a great feeling. No, because then there's that weight looming over you to to do that, uh-huh. and then you got to go. No, that's not me. I'm not gonna do it. They're not gonna even if I do that now. They're not gonna like it because no. they know that that's not sure. me. Sure. You know, I could rip off a you know this. This tune is whatever. Whatever, yeah. And what, they're going to go, nah, that's not you, right. We already know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, so I try to try to be a little bit more picky about that now because, you know, it can be sort of a nightmare, you know. But, um, you know, sometimes you just got to make your money and play the gig or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's how I kind of have treated a lot of it. But it, over the years now of doing that, a lot of those guys have become friends. Sure. of mine you know and i respect them in whatever it is that they're doing if mm-hmm. it's real you recognize that it's real and mm-hmm. you respect it i i don't like every genre of music but i don't dislike any of them sure you know what i mean there's value in all of it sure and, and if that's what they love and i believe it when they're doing it from whatever genre you know i'm gonna respect that but i'm not gonna try to do that because they're gonna look at me and go what the hell are you doing yeah this isn't right you know and if like i said before if jason isbell tried to rip off stevie wonder songs I wouldn't like it. I yeah. wouldn't believe it. You know, yeah. there are guys that can do that and guys that can't, you know, mm-hmm. or should and shouldn't, I guess. Anyone can right. do whatever they want, but. Sure. But yeah, it, uh, as far as, as far as like, well, like you were saying, the, the realness and the, um, if they want to maintain their status of, of, uh, yeah. whatever they've made by being the realist, they're not going to do yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. You lived in Denton, didn't you? I did. I, I did too. For like 10 years. Yeah. I grew up in Denton. I went to high school in Denton. Did you really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I lived there until about <clears throat> five years ago. I lived there until about five, six years ago. Um, 
That's funny. I guess we ran in different circles. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I wasn't doing the the singer songwriter thing until I moved to Fort Worth mm-hmm. and started playing local gigs. I was doing the. I was touring as a blue touring a lot as a blues trio, okay. doing like traditional blues festivals and. You were on the road. Is this during a that lot. time when you were yeah, like mainly it was gone? Just trio, just loud, aggressive guitar playing for no reason. Where, uh, where was your? Where did you play when you played in Denton? At that, uh, during that time. I don't know. Dan's wouldn't. I didn't hardly play. Didn't. <clears throat> Dan's wouldn't give me the time of day for a long time. Yeah, I had to claw and scratch my way in there, and it was kind of strange the way that it happened. But I, I didn't really. I did a couple of things at Rock and Rodeo with people that sounded like me. Mm-hmm. You know, Lloyd and I go go back to that. But even still, there were. You know, I would do the the Arts and Jazz Fest. And I would do the rant. I did Andy's a handful of times because uh-huh. they had someone coming through that sounded like that and they needed, I was, you know, the guy that was doing that. But I didn't really play in Denton very much. I found myself spending more time in Dallas. Because like you're saying with those guys that you were talking about. Yeah. Like- and in, in the Deep Ellum and the Dallas blues scene in the early 2000s was doing a lot better mm-hmm. than it is now. A lot of those guys have timed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is may not be the most eloquent way that I can put that. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> but, um, you know, and then touring a lot. We were doing a lot of festivals and a lot of national stuff, but I just, I lived there. I went to high school there. I went to tech for a little while and then I came back. I didn't graduate and I came back and I lived there and that yeah. was it. And I, f- I found myself spending more time in Dallas and Fort Worth and I liked Fort Worth more. So I said, no, I'm just going to move That's to where Fort you came. Worth. Yeah, towards the end of it, it got to where we hardly gigged and didn't either, you know. I mean, every once in a while. And there's a lot of guys like that who would just mainly do, if they're Dallas or Fort Worth, or just be on the road, yeah. you know, and um, not play that much and didn't. It's funny. It's a good place to live. There's, It's a huge music school, but there's no music scene yeah. in the town. There's no supportive music scene. Because the venues that will book you don't pay any money. There's sure. more house concerts than anything. You're right about and that. And that's useless, you know. But I mean, dance I, to me is the only place to play. That's the only actual music venue in town. Uh, if you get too big for dance and you play the right kind of music, you can go play rock and rodeo. But they don't. I wouldn't play at rock and rodeo because I couldn't put. An, I can fill up dance, but I couldn't even. Yeah. That crowd in rock and rodeo. First of all, the crowd that goes to dance would never go to rock and rodeo, and vice versa. Yeah. And but 160 people in rock and rodeo is dead. That's nothing. Oh in yeah, there. yeah. So yeah. there's no use. I used to play over there, but in rock and rodeo, I think all we ever did was no. We had a couple of headlining, but mainly we would open, mm-hmm. trying to build something or whatever. Um, for the headlining thing, it was like, yeah, even like you said, 150, 200 people. If you got, I mean, it just is just too big of a room. Yeah. But at Dan's, it, that that's great. Yeah. Um. So Dan's be, kind of became the deal for us, and I love Dan's, and I always will, and I'll Absolutely. always play there. But I, I, I probably play there as much now as I did when I lived there. Yeah. You know, a couple times a year. A couple times a year, probably. Yeah. That's about what I'm. I'm, a, I'm about a four month rotation in yeah. there, and it works well. Mm-hmm. But you know, I wouldn't do it any more than that. I don't go to Denton anymore. Yeah. I used to, I have friends that live there and we text every now and then and we threaten to get together, but, and we never do. Yeah. You know, not because I don't want to, but because I don't really want to go to Denton. I just, yeah. I grew up there and I'm, I'm <laughs> You're over, over it. I'm, <laughs> I'm on the verge of being done with DFW in general. Where would you go? I have no idea. And this goes back to where, Philadelphia? where my people are. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but there's a triangle, a very large triangle up there just Northeast of Nashville 
maybe to Nashville and, and be based from Nashville touring up in that area. But mm-hmm. there are so many bands up there that are doing exactly what I'm doing and doing it and popular and they're doing well. And I believe that my sound is on par with theirs. And if mm-hmm. I, you know, if I were cast into that realm that we would do as well as they are, mm-hmm. you know, but just getting there, it's, sure. it's an 11 hour drive to Nashville and that's not even all the way there. The, right. you know, so it's just like, shit, where do I need to be? You know, maybe Atlanta, there's a huge music scene in Atlanta that's doing well. Wow. You know, a lot more soul music out sure. in that area. Once you get out, here's the thing as I, depending on who I talk to, I'm not as friendly about Texas as I could be. Mm-hmm. I feel like there is a, a, a large cultural, uh, I'm going to use the word wasteland, mm-hmm. but I don't mean it as harshly as that sounds, uh, in Texas in that there are a ton of artists who who tour like on the theater circuit, meaning between 1500 and three grand mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do well on that circuit that they make a great living. You can make a lot of money, 20 or 30, $40 a ticket for a 2000 person. Sure. That's awesome. You know, two or three nights a week. That's a pretty good living mm-hmm. for a six month tour or whatever. So there are people who are doing that who can guarantee at least 1500 ticket sales wherever they go. And they'll come to Dallas and they'll sell 400 tickets. Right. And there's no need for them to do that. And so a lot of that stuff just passes over us, you know, and it's not just Texas, but the region down here. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because this market is so dominated with its own scene and this sense of entitlement of, of we have our own bubble of, of our own music. We don't need you. Right. And that's where I think I get off board because I'm not a part of that scene Mm -hmm. and I don't play that kind of music that when I, the best tours I've ever done have been up the West coast and up the East coast. And those are the best. And it's because the people are just open to just music. There are, there are generic rock clubs and you just, they book whatever they book like dance. They'll book yeah. anything. They'll book sure. country. They'll book funk. They'll book Tejano music. They'll book polka. They, they'll book whatever they think will people will like. Yeah. But there, there's not many like dance down here. Very few. <clears throat> there's a place in San Antonio that we do well. It's called Luna. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's you ever been in Scat Jazz Lounge here in Fort Worth? You ever been uh, in, yeah, once. You've been in there. Yeah. You, they're red velvet curtains, yeah. and it starts just like that. Oh, and awesome. it's in and it's down there, and they only book uh, jazz, blues, and R and B. That's it. Awesome. And so the people that go there, they know what they're going to get. They're not surprised by it. It's not like when I show up to a venue that predominantly does country music, and everyone shows up not knowing who I am. And they're like, what is this? What is this crap? (laughs) And then they leave. It's not like that down there. So we've cultivated a good crowd in there. It's about the size of Dan's, maybe a little bit bigger, Uh you know, maybe a 200-person capacity. And it's red velvet curtains and a cool bar, and the staff is great, and the owner's great, and the people dance, and they have a good time. And they don't even have to know who you are. It's one of those places where you right. just, you. I want to hear some good jazz or, or blues or R&B. I know where to go. Boom, that's where I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, But this is the only two places in the state that I can think of that harbor me mm-hmm. in that way. But get into Colorado, and there's like 15 places right. on my list of places to stop. You know, and we can make a whole tour out of that, but it's 14 hours to get there. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's yeah. no sense in driving. You know, I used to stop in Amarillo. We used to do hoots all the time. Yeah, I know. But hoots. we never we never had a good show in there. Not that it wasn't enjoyable, but we could never build a crowd in there. Yeah. You know, never enough to, to cover. And so they just stopped booking me, and I understood. You know? Yeah. There is, there is, um, I, I see what you're saying. Um, I mean, it's just dominated by this, you know, or the places that we, that I know anyway are all, 
there's you know some rock places, but mainly it's all this alter or country and 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 Texas music and mm-hmm. and it's just so huge. And and then if you don't fall in line with that, there's I mean you're eliminating like three quarters of the clubs in the state. You know more than that. More. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean it, any genre of music you're playing that's not that you are competing with that, and right. there's no way around it. Mm-hmm. It's metal music, hip hop music, blues, jazz, R and B. You're competing with Texas music, Texas country. Mm-hmm. You just are. And outside of that southern Texas region bubble, everyone has an equal slice of the pie. Mm-hmm. And you have you you're judged not on the style of music, but how good the music that you're playing is. It's the way it should be. Which is the way it should be. And that's why I've kind of reached my wits end with this, you know, this area because I don't want to do that. That's mm-hmm. not me. And when sure. I do it, you know, I I cover certain songs that I wish that I didn't, I wish that I'd never done them because now I have to keep doing them Mm because people know that I do. And I, you know, there's a couple of songs and I, and I just go, well, what about all these songs that I've written? And they go, (laughs) yeah, but do this Stapleton tune. And I'm like, come on. Yeah. You listen to that on the way here. You don't need to hear, you're going to listen to it on the way home. You don't need to hear me sing it. Like, uh, that's just, that's true. You listen to that on the way here. <laughs> yeah, and I know you did. It's your favorite yeah. song. You're requesting it. I know you listened to it today already. Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you want me to sing it? <clears throat> oh man. But you know, I do. People, I don't know. I I just there are there are other places and there are other styles of music and there you know I'm I'm in the process of trying to find somewhere to go that I think would harbor me and mm-hmm. my pursuit a little bit better because I don't think it's here. Well, I mean, it sounds like you would have a much easier go at it. Literally anywhere else. <laughs> Literally anywhere else. <laughs> Literally anywhere else. I couldn't live in Nashville. I tried to psych myself up for that. I spent a bunch of time in Nashville a few years ago, like looking for places to live, establishing connections and doing all that. But I couldn't. You, you can't make a living in Nashville the way you make a living here. Well, you could get like a publishing deal or whatever. You could. You? I'm not a good enough songwriter to get a pub deal. Oh, no I way. could work into that. I think maybe with the with the time, but that's not what I want to do. It's not what you want to do. Okay. I don't. Well, I mean, I would if I thought I could just go up there and do it. But I know that that's not my strongest suit. I would be better served if I lived in Nashville trying to become an MD for somebody, a touring okay. MD. You know and running the band and, yeah, and writing. making sure everything, yeah. And I, that I would be better served as, as that. But I don't want to do that either. Right. I could do that here. I've had offers for that here, and I don't really you want don't to do want that. To do you know, that's what I was inadvertently doing for Zach, you know, putting set lists together and, and moving parts and transitions between songs and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's fun for me, but that's not, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And I want to do my own stuff the way I want to do it. And you can't do that up there because in Nashville, you obviously, I'm sure that you know, but you, you do those gigs on Broadway. They're four hours long. You have to literally know every cover you can think of, yeah. no matter how cheesy and horrible. And you have to pander to the people who are in there, and that's what they request. I've heard the same band cover George Strait, Metallica, and everything in between in a four-hour set because people walked in, thought they were being funny, and said, play this Metallica song and they went okay and they played it jeez and then the next song was a little big town song or something like that you know and that's you have to be that way up there and you're making $50 75 for four hours plus tips you know and you have to do that four or five nights a week until you get a better gig and that's something and you can't 
play original music and make money. That's the thing. It's like these gigs, like I can't get a residency at Magnolia Motor Lounge and make a couple hundred dollars a week. Up there, that doesn't exist. Yeah. You're either playing these cover gigs or you're doing songwriting rounds, but those don't pay. Everyone's competing for that pub. Not deal. even like the, like the, I haven't spent much time up in Nashville, but like the East Nashville, like where all the, all the cool kids are. And all, there's not like a, there are clubs over there, but it's, I don't think it exists in the, like, I don't think I could make as much of a living as I make mm-hmm. doing it up there. Yeah. There, it doesn't not exist. There's a little pocket of it somewhere. Yeah. Wherever. But it's not enough to make a living because mm-hmm. there are so many musicians that are trying to get that spot and you can't, you know, do it all the time because there's so many other people that want to do it Jeez, it's hard it's hard but you know in other places in other scenes memphis has a good scene that's that harbors original music but memphis is kind of i'm not a fan of memphis too much man a lot of people say that i've only ever driven through it dirty is it a dirty town (laughs) i'm sorry if you're from memphis dirty it's a dirty memphis a dirty city (laughs) i've only ever driven through well i won't stop then yeah, there are parts of it. There are parts of Nashville that aren't very pleasant either. But you know, I don't know. I shouldn't blanket the whole city as being dirty. <laughs> I spent I spent some time up there. Uh, they have this thing every year called the International Blues Competition, and uh, all these bands go and they compete for I don't I don't know. I think music for competition is retarded, but I do too. I that's don't like what it. that's what they do. And then you go and I've been up there for that a few times and. You stay for a week and you explore the city, and it's all up and down Beale Street, which is awesome. That's where all the bars are. It's like Broadway in Nashville, yeah, but it's yeah. in Memphis. All these old blues clubs that have been there for sixty years. But outside of that, not. It's kind of dirty. <laughs> it's kind of a dirty city. Uh your Memphis fans are gonna hate you. Yeah, I'm sure I've got a ton of those. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> I don't know. There's like Seattle is a good is a good example of that. Like there's a burgeoning between Seattle and Portland, and they're about three hours apart mm-hmm. to drive, which is reasonable. It's like here to Austin. Sure. Um, but you know, there's a huge scene up there. But the problem with being up there is that you are literally a two days drive away from anything. Yeah. It's so isolated up there. You know, if it really not, is. If you're not flying to the gig, you've got the California coast. But it's a good, I don't know, eight to ten hours to L.A., which is not short. What's the a Canadian across Canadian town across? I think it's Vancouver. Vancouver, yeah. I think so. I don't know. But I guess you could do that. Don't correct me in an email. I don't care. <laughs> I'll look it up in my own time if you're listening. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's way up there. It's very isolated. Nashville is like the perfect epicenter for all of that because you're like six hours from Chicago. You're six to eight hours from Florida. You're six to eight hours from New York. You're 11 hours to DFW. You're probably 15 hours to Denver. Yeah. If that's kind of the I think that's why that place became such the epicenter for music. It's because of that. It's where all those touring bands are based out of. Right. Start their tours there. <coughs> that makes the most sense to me, but... It's like Austin where there's just everyone's a musician. Every waiter, every person working at the convenience store, everyone's trying to become oh, the yeah. next thing. Yeah, Austin, man, it's it's really gotten to be a place where we don't even gig at all there down there. No. I drive around it on that yeah. loop. Yeah, the, that loop is great. <laughs> it's awesome. 80 <clears throat> miles an hour, no yeah. stops. But, you know, it, it's just gotten to be like, I think the past few times we played, it's like, well, how are we even doing this? Let's just, I mean, you, you just go down the road to San Marcos, New Braunfels, and it'll be way better. And yeah. you know, and not this whatever 
Austin has turned into. Yeah. I'm sure there's still a ton of good spots that I don't know about, but some of the old joints we used to play, it's like, this is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> there's the only gigs that I do in Austin anymore are opening gigs. And it's, if I know the artists and they have personally asked me to do it, right. there's a couple of bands down there that I'll do it for if they ask, but I don't seek it out because yeah. I'm only going to make $200 on the yeah. gig. It's not really worth it to me. And I have to drive home yeah. for the morning, but <clears throat> you know, it's, it's been fun. Continental is my, is one of my favorite places down there and it maybe holds a hundred people. Yeah. And it's, it's old and it's it's an awesome little bar. We've had a lot of cool shows in there. Never made more than two hundred dollars. Sure, but we've had a lot of really fun shows in there. Yeah. Sold out shows. There was a bill. A Mingo Fish Trap is one of the bands that that I play with a lot. They uh-huh. their musical styling aligns with mine. Uh, I had Roger on one of the shows a couple months ago. Cool, that was cool. Anyway, uh, another Denton band actually. Yeah, that's the it's like Rhodes, right? Isn't that where they got their name? In their roads? Yeah, yeah. Mingo and Fish Trap. Yeah, they had a, a the, the story that I got that, however, made up is that they had a rehearsal spot at the corner of Mingo the, and Fish okay. Trap, and so that's they started out as a cover band doing just classic Motown stuff, and people liked it, so they wrote their own songs. And yeah, moved to Austin and blew up doing it. Yep. Yeah, but um, there was a bill that I did with them uh, two years ago. I remember I have a picture of it in my phone. The, the bill, it was uh, Red Volkart was mm-hmm. at like 3 o'clock or whatever, 5 o'clock. And then we were the next band, and then Mingo Fish Trap was the, the headliner. And it was like, wow. so we went way early. I made the yeah. band get in the van way early. I was like, <laughs> we're going to go see Red Volkart because that's, that's the most. That's awesome. He's so amazing. Yeah. That guy is unreal. That's cool. Yeah, so if, it's, if it were like stuff like yeah, that all yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, still, we only made $200, so it really wasn't worth it because I have to pay my band. But, right. But I don't know. It's too many people. They're getting driven out, too. They're starting to gentrify all those areas where the musicians live now. I know. And they're getting driven out, and they're all going having to go somewhere else. I know. It's it. getting too expensive to live there. Um, yeah. Austin is the, only, um, is the only time ever that we've played a gig to, to zero people, meaning the bartender left and so did the door guy <laughs> and the sound guy. There was they're actually no one else in the room. They're all outside smoking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like for a long time. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I've played to like one person before. I've even played where there was just a bartender, but there was actually no other people. (laughs) Why even keep playing at that point? Well, we didn't. I mean, we just kind of sat around. I think we like tried to rehearse like some new stuff or something (laughs) and then kind of waited and drank our beers until, well, standing on stage and like after 15 minutes or something, the bartender of the saga came in and then we started playing again. (laughs) It was rough. Yeah. I've done plenty of those gigs. <laughs> I do a lot of acoustic gigs like that where it's just you're you're they keep asking you to turn down to the point where I can't even hear the speaker and I can hear people talking louder than yeah. me. I'm just trying to get it over <laughs> yeah, with. Yeah, just <laughs> close your eyes and sometimes I'll just make stuff up on the spot just yeah. to see if anybody notices. Anybody. I'm just saying words. No one ever does. That's so funny. It's funny. <laughs> How long have you had the band that you're, how, how many, I guess, how many records do you have out? I think you've got a few. Uh, yeah, we've got, um, so three full lengths, two EPs, and a, like a, a live thing. Yeah. So. Um, Over what span? So, first record came out in 2004. Mm-hmm. So, that's 13 years, and then we were together for a couple of years before we made our 
first record, so it's been like 15 years. Jeez, a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the lineup has changed, but there's a couple that have, are original still. Yeah. So. Grady? Well, I mean, Grady wasn't original. No, Brooks and then Danny, who plays accordion and banjo and guitar. Hmm. Um, and I've both of those guys I've known since I was like 10. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so they, they they're still in it, but um, Grady's just been with us for a couple of years, two three years now, something like that. We've had a shitload of drummers, yeah, like a bunch. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Good drummers are hard to find. Yeah, I don't know why that's been like the highest turnover thing for us. But yeah, we've uh, we have had a bunch of them. I'm that way with keyboard players. I can't yeah. seem to hold on to a keyboard player <laughs> for very long. <laughs> Uh, how many have you had? A lot. Really? Yeah. And then I just learned how to play keyboard myself. And I said, I'll just. You'll just do it. I'll just do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> if I think keys better over than guitar on this song, I'll just, just sit down and play keys. That's cool. I don't know. I don't know if it's cool because then you lose the guitar. I would be better off probably at this point hiring a guitar player. And just playing keys. And I, well, I could just go back and forth on songs that, you know, that need organ or keys. I, I have the guitar part covered, you know. Right. I'd be better off doing that probably. There's so many more guitar players. Sure, everyone plays guitar. Yeah, and the best keyboard players are all being pulled in a thousand directions. Yeah, there's not, there's not, um, or there's way more work than there is guys, right? Absolutely, yeah. So they're taking up spots on, you know, first come, first serve. And a lot of them get picked up by these cover bands and they make, you know, way more money than I can pay them. Sure. On a weekend. So, I don't know. Yeah, <clears throat> a lot of drummers in town. Though good drummer, good drummer is hard to find. A drummer that you click with that understands what you're going for. It's sure, hard, that's hard to find. Yeah, I think so. I think that even even playing the, the song right and like playing it. I mean, obviously the form has to be right, but like, I mean, it could it could be completely correct and just be like, I don't know, yeah. I don't know, I don't like it this way that you're doing yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, but you're, but there, you know, I see a, a lot of guys play that we have a lot of good ones in town, mm-hmm. but, um, <clears throat> but yeah, Grady's been with us for a while and that's been fun, but man, we had just had a, had a, had a time where we were going through them, especially at first, you know, when we couldn't afford to pay anybody hardly right. anything. Right. It's like, well, take what you can get. <laughs> and you you want to play you, for beer? Yeah. Do you own drums? <laughs> yeah. You're hired. Oh man. But yeah, been a long time. <laughs> Thirteen years. Yeah. yeah, I started mine. I think I was about nineteen. So that's that's that was 19, what would that have been? Two thousand five. Yeah, twelve years now. Twelve years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, uh, you know. Yeah. I, I in a way when I when I hear like you know fifteen years, twelve years, it's like. I don't know. I mean, there's part of me that's proud to have been doing it for that long, but then I'm also yeah. like, geez, I mean, am I, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, what's just happening? Just a lot of years just keep going by, yeah. you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I look at it that way, and then I, you know, there's a lot of guys that I know that are, that I think are great, that are that still have jobs, day jobs, mm-hmm. you know, and I consider myself lucky that I haven't had a day job in six or seven years. Yeah. You know, so at least there's that, you know, yeah. uh, it, there's different versions of, of made it, you know, I don't know if people I always, ask you that question or not. Well, I always say that, you know, cause so many people, especially that don't get, don't understand it, you know, it's like, 
Like, when you, you know, when are you gonna, when am I gonna see you on the Grammys or whatever? Which, yeah. I, you know, I mean, that's a dream for everybody. Yeah. But it's sort of like asking, like, um, someone who coaches high school football when he's going to coach the Cowboys. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> I mean, exactly like It's a dream that. job, but, I mean, you know, there's there's only a few dream jobs to go around. Yeah. You could still be a really successful high school football coach. And, yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, that's a great analogy. And um, I'm going to throw that at the next person. What do I you mean, do for a living? Yeah. <laughs> when are you going to be the best version of that yeah, ever yeah. that ever existed? And you can be the best version of that and still never... Absolutely. Doesn't mean shit about... No. You know, I mean, so... I think there's like this huge in between between the garage and the Grammys that mm-hmm. everyone forgets about, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Like I was saying earlier, the guys that can tour on the 1500 to 3000 capacity right. theaters, that's the perfect bubble for me. I think, Yeah. you know, if you can build up to that, that's a comfortable living. You still get to travel around and you still mm-hmm. get to do cool stuff and you're making a good living and people like your stuff. Yeah. That's to me, that's, the idea i don't want to play american airlines center no you want to do that right? yeah i would rather work up to that and that's you know i don't know that's my version of made it you know that sure. people ask you that when are you gonna when are you gonna sell out the, the cowboys Cowboy stadium, stadium? <laughs> yeah, it's like i'm not gonna do that unless yeah. i'm with someone else probably sure sure get so. lucky and get someone else's band but you know that's a weird thing and and you have to i have to monitor my own expectations of myself for sure mm-hmm. and as i get older you know i told myself when i was 25 well oh, when i turned 30 if i haven't made it you know i'm going to quit and then i turned 30 and i went well you know i pay all my bills yeah and i do whatever you I want get to hang you know out. <laughs> yeah i get to play golf and i get to have a dog and travel yeah. if i want to go like you don't have to travel if you don't want to. You can't. I mean, you yeah. like for gigs, you mean, but like, or even on vacation, yeah. if I want to go take a week off and go lay on the beach, I you mean, totally I, can. I could. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I'm not going to, but I right. could. Sure. You know, so that's my version of having made it now is a lot different than it was. When yeah, I, was I think mine is changing too, and and um, you know, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a thing that I think is changing all the time, <clears throat> and also. Um, you know, it can, it can go up and down and, 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 you know, I can be really busy and that will make me happy for some time. And then like, I can go slow and that's okay. And, and it's been slow over the winter and that's fine. And I feel better about it. And that doesn't mean that it's not going to go, go pick back up or slow back down after that. I don't know. But, you know, I like that it, it is so flexible, you know? Yeah. Um, and growing up and, and your, I think your priorities change a lot too, you know, in terms yeah. of, of having a, a family or getting married or, or mm-hmm. doing all that kind of stuff comes into play. And then maybe you don't want to travel as much, yeah. you know, yeah. or, or, or whatever. That's, you know, I think that's one of the things that happened to Josh Weathers when he decided to stop is he, he had a young son. He was about to adopt a young daughter. He went, he was on the verge of having to be gone for eight months out of the year. Right. Went, Hold on a second. Not doing I got to get through this yeah. next few years first, you know, get my kids in school and then we'll see what happens. And sure. Kind of, he's, that was three years ago and now he's coming back out of it, mm-hmm. played a bunch of shows and you know. Yeah. That's the great, you know, that's kind of what I was saying. Like there's the great thing about this is that doing this type of work is like, you can, you, he, he totally has that luxury, you know, to be like, yeah, yeah I'll take five years off or whatever, mm-hmm. or slow down, way down. Yeah. And then be like, no, I'm doing it again. Yeah. And it'll just, it's just go, it'll go again. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's an interesting, it's an interesting job. It is. It definitely I've is. I've enjoyed the ride so far. Yeah, me too. Did a bunch of, <clears throat> bunch of crazy 
it's a bizarre world you know (laughs) it is a bizarre world i enjoy also this is a a kind of a tangent whenever i see like an award show or a festival from like a dvd perspective or Mm -hmm. something like that i think about all the people that are in the crowd that don't understand what it's like backstage what it looks like as soon as they get on the other side of that curtain of just bars everywhere and and lights and people, yeah. you know, doing stuff. I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. I enjoy being on the other side of that curtain. Oh yeah. And and understanding that, you know, when when an award show singer that's doing a performance on an award show or something goes awry and everyone blames the singer, it's ninety nine percent of the time not the singer's fault. Oh sure. And but everyone just piles on. I guess the Mariah Carey <clears throat> thing that happened yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah. Her her ear pack went out. Sure. That's not her fault. Yeah. And she didn't, she wasn't happy. I'm not going to defend what she said and the things that she did uh, subsequently, but that wasn't her fault. Definitely wasn't. And when, when she was asked about it, she blamed the tech company because her ear pack didn't work. She wasn't getting any music in her ears. So when she was trying to sing, she was off. And then right. she just went, fuck it. I don't know what's happening. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> yeah. And then the tech company blamed her. They said, our, our stuff works fine. It's her problem. Right. No. And then everyone just jumped down her throat and it wasn't her fault. And then she just went, I'm Mariah Carey. Like, I don't care what yeah, you guys think. I do. Yeah. But like, I just thought it was so funny because it's so obvious that she's got in-ears in mm-hmm. nothing's going on in the in-ears. Sure. I mean, she's looking around like, and like grabbing her pack and stuff like it's it's clear nothing is happening in right. her ears that's not her fault and everyone's going well why is she just yelling at everybody <laughs> like god she's such a diva yeah. it's like, like so there's on. a million people watching me and you're making me look like an asshole right yeah. now <laughs> yeah and then the, for, for them to throw her under the bus yeah. was, the, was the icing on top of it yeah. they should have taken responsibility for yeah it. it was crazy she is a diva and she did get mad and said a lot of mean things but you know, she kind of had the right to I do that. I think she, you know, she had definitely had the right to be upset. Yeah. Now maybe I don't, I don't know about all the. Rest <laughs> that's of it, all here and there. <clears throat> yeah, that's all the, you know, the, your own personality. But you know, you definitely have a right to be pissed off. Yeah, and that's a live television setting, and for them to just do that to her and then yeah. hang her out to dry like that, that was rough. And I, I watched a lot of people comment on it and post it like, "Oh, R.I.P. Mariah Carey's career." It's like. She's been around since the early nineties. Right. Her career's not be over. Just fine. Yeah, her career's not over because of this. Yeah. But it is fun to it is fun to I enjoy knowing how like you're saying too, knowing how it all works and knowing you know. It's it, it's um you know, in a lot of ways I'm still like a, a kid. Like I I like gear and stuff, you know. Yeah. I I like I like all all the stuff about it. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. This room is a yeah, full of it's stuff a great, good to testament to that thing you know it's like I, I like all all and i like um you know like you said i like being backstage and knowing how how it all works and yeah and i get excited about it everything just like i always did you yeah know? that's i think a testament to your commitment to this career yeah. and probably why you've been successful in the way that you have is that you do genuinely love it and when you're performing it's obvious that you love it. And sure. That's the most important. Well, thing. then it just goes back to the the real thing, you know, or trying to be honest and real, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like I said, like that thing I said, like, I, I really don't like watching a, va- a guy who I could tell hates it. Yeah. You know, yeah, that takes <clears throat> all the magic. It out does, of it. you know, it does. It's too bad 
when that happens. And then some of those guys, they write a hit song and they don't get popular for anything else. And then they have to play that song all night, every night. And yeah. they go, well, what about all this other stuff? Yeah, what about you know, all yeah. yeah, that all sucks. Let's <laughs> play the song that we came to hear. And then they put it in the encore and everyone's left and they're mad. Sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, that, I've, I've thought about that. Like, that I'm must gonna, be super tough. Like, Yeah. I'm going to force you to listen to all this other music I wrote. If you want to hear this song, you want you're, you're going to sit through this two hours of this show. Well, because what are you going to do? Play it first, then everybody's going to leave everyone, too. Yeah, everyone <laughs> sucks. Yeah. I mean, especially like those huge, like international super hits, you know, like that, uh, somebody that I used to know, that, that song, right? Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. As big as you can get yeah. for a song. And, uh, you know, no one knows any of his other material. No. You know. But they, they love that song enough for him to go play stadiums, probably. Yeah. For a couple months. <laughs> for a few months. Least. Yeah. He's one tour. Cash it in. It must, I would. Of course, I would do it too. But, you know, there must be some part of it where you're like, <sighs> yeah. You're just an actor at that point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you just try to get a money grab. Yeah. You know, you go back to making your hope that it works again somehow. Yeah, you've got You've got this level of credibility on this one song. Hopefully, you can do it again. Mm-hmm. That would be tough. That would be really tough. Yeah. I think Joe Walsh on one of those Crossroads DVDs. Do you ever watch those? Uh, it's like where two artists well, are put together. Well, there's that. The Eric Clapton has a Crossroads festival that oh, he puts okay. on every year, and he's released a bunch of DVDs on it. Oh, I see. Um, uh, but I can see where our worlds are not colliding at this exact moment because of that. But he he puts out these DVDs and it's everybody from ZZ Top to John Mayer to country, uh, Vince Gill. Okay. It's everybody. <clears throat> it's a two or three day festival he does. It's awesome. He did one in Dallas in 2004 and it was amazing. Um, but anyway, he did one of them and Joe Walsh came out and played uh, uh, Rocky Mountain Way. Mm-hmm. And he came up to the mic before he started the song because he starts on the guitar. And he came out of the mic and looked around for a second. And he goes, you know, if I knew I was going to have to play this song for the rest of my life, I would have written something else. <laughs> and then he goes, da-na, da-na, right. And he plays the song and everyone cheers. They think it's hilarious, but he's just dying inside because he has yeah, to keep playing Rocky Mountain Way. That's funny. <laughs> but he says it and it's on the DVD and they just went, all right, I guess. Yep. That's uh, who else? Ray Wally Hubbard always says something like that about the of a redneck mother. That song, right? He's like, I, yeah. He's like, well, listen for all you young songwriters out, songwriters out there. Make sure you're gonna be able cool <laughs> with playing it 30 years from now. <laughs> yeah, if it happens to work. If it happens to work. Yeah, I was in Red River uh, recently and talked to Steve Hegland, the owner of the Motherload, uh-huh. about that. He was telling me, but he wasn't the owner back then. But oh, okay. that song was written about that bar. Oh, you really? You heard that story? Like with the, the, the redneck mother? Was yeah. Re- no, no, no. He, uh, Ray Wiley Hubbard and some other people were in Red River. He didn't live there, but he was staying there for a while. And this is back in the 70s, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, the Motherlode was the only bar in town and music venue in town. Yeah. But it was a cowboy bar, and that was back in the days when cowboys and hippies didn't get along. Sure. Now it's the same thing. Yeah. Kind of. Um, and they were all sitting at somebody's house. Somebody famous. I can't think of who it was, but Ray Wiley Hubbard and a bunch of songwriters that you would know were at this guy's house, and they ran out of beer. And they sent Ray to the mother because back then you could walk to the bar, buy Good. a case of beer, and take yeah. it home. And so he walked down to the bar, and he was in the bar and trying to buy a case of beer. And this old lady, older lady, comes up to him and starts poking fun at him because of his long hair and his denim and whatever. Yeah. And he mouths off to her, and her son and Ray get into a fist fight in the bar, <laughs> oh, which turns into all three of them fighting. 
And so he's fighting this guy and his mother. Well, this makes sense now. And gets the beer and goes back to the house and then sits down, grabs a guitar, and basically makes it up on the spot. Or I, I don't know if Ray Wiley did, wrote it or he ended up... He made it famous, didn't no, he? No, I think he wrote he it. He wrote then, it. And then it's made famous, made famous by... Uh, yes, I forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he... Yeah, so that happened to him. So he gets in this fight, goes back to him and says, you won't believe what happened. Grabs a guitar, basically makes it up on the spot. And then wow. years later, somebody covered it at a live show or something, and everyone went crazy. And then that became his song. That was at the Motherload. That's nuts. I never knew that story. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that song makes more sense now. Yeah, like it really <laughs> happened. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Oh, that's funny. But stories like that, I just love stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that bar has been around forever. And all the big places, all the big artists that have played on that stage. I'm trying to. I've only ever been there one or to. So, which side is it on? If you're, is it on the same side of the street as um, the hotel, like the red, the Texas Reds? Yeah, yeah it's right next door. It's right next door. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I haven't been in there because it was closed when I was there. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, motherload. Well, I'll have to think about that because I want to go back there. Yeah, it's a beautiful. It's a beautiful place. It's and, an unbelievable city. Yeah, I've and, I've done their uh, Mardi Gras party. For the last three years, oh fun, at the mother load. For some reason, that's a huge weekend for them in Red River. Huh? And we do there Friday, Saturday. We were just up there about a month ago. That's awesome. Doing that, it's so much fun up there. It's just gorgeous. I love, it. <coughs> and I've, I've always wanted to go because we, or I've, like I said, I've only been there once, but it was during the summer, and I thought like I got to come back during the winter and yeah. just like see it covered in snow yeah. and all that. It's a great town. I mean, it looks like something out of a movie. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just so cool. It's about a mile. There's no stoplight. Yeah. Just slow down and yeah. then go and you're out. It's great. It's a cool city. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was, I, and I, you, I wonder about a lot of songs like that, you know, from that era mm-hmm. and, and what they were, I'd like to hear the story that they were pulling from on a lot sure. of those songs. Like, yeah. I love stories about a guy that's just like, you know, whip something out in like half an hour or whatever. And it's just like lives in infamy for yeah. <laughs> his entire life. Yeah. Um, someone said that, um, uh, Bobby McGee was done that because Chris Christopherson wrote that song, mm-hmm. I think. And mm-hmm. someone like he was at a party and he's said something about how fast he could write a song. And that's what he came up with. <laughs> now this is, this has been probably bastardized version of that sure, story, but legend. But yeah. Something like that. But uh, that's what I've always heard. Yeah. That's funny. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. He became the guy for a while. Yeah. He was like the guy to yeah. write with. For yeah, he was a while. Cranked out a lot of hits. It's pretty yeah, incredible. It's like when Dean Dillon's in town. Yeah. Like, did you see him when he was in town? Uh, I've he seen was, him a couple. It. Well, he played at Live Oak, and so yeah. uh, I was there for that. And I didn't, I didn't see his Magnolia Motor Live yeah, show. Yeah, a couple of those. Yeah, but the stories and just the iconicness of of and like playing them the way he wrote them versus the way that you know sure. them for decades. You know, it's wild. Oh, he had a great story about uh, that you know, oceanfront property, that George Strait tune. Mm-hmm. So that uh, he was in the co-writer or whatever, and the guy wanted it to be. If you'll buy that, I'll throw the golden gate, bridge and free. And, you know, and he was like, the, in the bridge part, he's like, it just wore me out. And then you're <laughs> like, you realize like how came, how close it came to being this other way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, but he fought for it and he got it the way it is now. But it's just <laughs> so cool that, you know, to hear stories like that. Yeah. That guy's full of them too. Oh, yeah. So I mean, many hits. It's like, yeah. And the stories you know, for it just as good as hear, hearing the songs, you know, just because, I mean, yeah. I even liked that more. Like, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, we were on a boat for like two weeks and we came up <laughs> with this 
you know, yeah. Miami, Miami or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. That guy's lived a life. Yeah, he is. A very awesome, full life. Yes. <laughs> Not that he's about to die or anything, no, but, but man, that guy's lived a life. Yeah. The stories that he tells. He's he's had a, he's had a, a pretty charmed existence, I think. <laughs> I wouldn't be too bad. No. Well, do you want to wrap it up? Yeah, I guess so. What did we do? Oh, That's gosh. a pretty good spot. It's almost two it's hours. almost two hours. Wow. Well, kind of flew by, actually. Talking and chatting. Yeah. Well, you're welcome anytime, man. Anytime you've got the next record or anything you want to yeah. promote, man, come on and do these. Um, do you have anything to promote at the moment? Let's promote your record and your uh, website and stuff. Um, RP50PR.com, and the record's called Bomber Heights, which it's on. It's for free to everyone because nobody pays for records anymore, so just go <laughs> to Spotify and uh, check, check it out. Yeah. Yep. Thanks uh, again yeah. for having me. Yeah, it's man. been fun. Absolutely. I'm glad awesome. you could finally do it. We've been talking about it for a yeah, while. Yeah, we have so. been. We have been. Uh, so, yeah, so go check that out and uh, find me at chriswatsonband.com and see where I'm going to be. i got some stuff coming up, so...